Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yeah, it's a good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get in the Hello and welcome to episode 250 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Jack Harper and Alex Jones. 250. Nice little uh, milestone, that. Well, uh, how many of those AJ's been on? I dare say probably more than you, but he did start earlier, so he does have that. You do have that over him. How many will he be on after today is the bigger question. (laughs) Alex, um, what do you think of Tottenham? Uh, (laughs) Pretty pretty much the same of what I think about Sean Shoot right now. Well, probably the same answer. That is damning. In the chance, I imagine. <laughs> well, plenty to get into this week. We've got the North London derby. We have uh, these shenanigans in the United game. Chelsea losing their unbeaten record. Liverpool drawing with Brentford. AJ losing to Alexander Usyk. Nick Diaz returning to the UFC as well as uh, the rest of UFC 266. Rory will join us later. First of all, no better place to start than news of the week. So... Not too much this week. Um, we've spoken about the Taliban a couple of times uh, the last couple of weeks, which isn't the phrase you'll hear on many podcasts. But uh, barbers are suffering under the Taliban rule as Afghans are shunning fashion. So uh, <laughs> of the many crimes, that's one of them. No one's going to touch up on the beard in there. No. Police find accused leg thief with legs strapped to head. It's pretty overwhelming evidence, that. That's, that's, that's a tough one. Flying microchips the size of a sand grain could be used for population surveillance. British woman gives birth to Miracle E-Baby after buying sperm online. That's it. How much, how much they go for? <laughs> what, the sperm or the babies or what? The sperm. I don't know. I was looking, I was at work today thinking, could I have an easier day's work? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. If you struggle to get up for a day's work, though, sometimes uh, money off your table. Jail. <laughs> Jail for former Irish Paralympic athlete who superglued himself to the roof of a plane. I told you about this guy. He lives in Stonehouse. I know it. <laughs> Blimey. He, he lives uh, down by the globe. And um, he used to be a Paralympian. And he used to do, like... Uh, charity things for kids with disabilities back when I was when I was younger. Just a really nice guy. And then all of a sudden on face Facebook feed, I got, so I got this friend on there, like 
I, before I heard a newsreel just saying, man has glued himself in some of a plane at Luton Airport. I was like, for fuck's sake. And then it was him because he live streamed it through his Facebook. <laughs> was there a reason for it? Yes, um, Extinction Rebellion. Oh, um, can, can you get him on the podcast? I mean, if he's out of jail, probably, yeah, I could. <laughs> this would be great. My my missus my missus had a uh, similar experience with somebody that she rose with, just like this little harmless little little harmless lady who literally you wouldn't you wouldn't peg at all, like a mum of mum of three, <laughs> mum of three stuff, and uh, just general like conversation. And I said, "All oh, right, you're going to be able to row on Thursday next week or whatever it was." I said, "Um, mm, not sure, um, because I may be incarcerated." And it was like double check, like what? <laughs> say that again say that again incarcerated incarcerated i was a yeah yeah i know i've I've been incarcerated a few times and then your mind's doing like spirals effectively yes yeah, so you stink extinction rebellion as well so uh yeah yeah probably uh, one of those ones on the motorway this morning man found asleep in pile of chicken fingers and meth just days after getting out of jail <laughs> <laughs> Um, with the help of scientists, Heinz have released a gadget to put the squeeze on ketchup packets. They're at it again. Florida surgeon mistakes kidney for tumour and removes it. That's why, that's why you always get the market pen out. You're going to put it on there. <laughs> Not the kidney. Man God, they... dies. Oh, go on. I was going to say, God, if they took out kidney when they were meant to be rebuilding my arm, I would have been absolutely fuming. <laughs> now, that would have been incredible. Man dies after chugging a 1.5 litre bottle of Coca-Cola. I just want to think that someone's put a Mento in him. <laughs> Blown his head off. <laughs> he probably drowned. That's definitely going to be a weapon in, like, John Wick 9. Just a whole pack <laughs> of Mentos in, like, eight bottles of Diet Coke. Just blast some bloke. Um, kind of tragic. Man, you think man versus booze went through all that, and then this guy's died drinking coke. <laughs> yeah. Man accidentally stabs eleven-year-old while trying to scare him in a haunted house. <laughs> oh dear. He's a method actor. Break. And finally, men caught smuggling KFC into lockdown hit Auckland, like the South Park episode. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> like when Cartman becomes like the mashed potato and gravy guy. <laughs> Do you ever try to fuck me, Eric? Do you ever try to fuck me? <laughs> Unreal episode. But anyway, that is the end of news of the week. And so, Alex, there is no further place to hide. Arsenal defeated Tottenham Hotspur 3 0 at the Emirates Stadium in what essentially was a one sided game bar about 15 minutes where. Uh, Arsenal decided to sit back. I think if we start right from the start, we'll go through the two lineups. Quite clearly, we've got one manager that got it right, one manager that got it wrong. Alex, which would you rather start with, Arsenal or Spurs? Uh, what lineup wise? <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll go with Arsenal. Okay, so Xhaka coming back in. TK, if you were Mikel Arteta, would you have brought Xhaka back into the lineup? Would you have gone with Lukonga, Maitland Niles? Because. <laughs> I'm benefiting from hindsight here, aren't I? Because I would say, yeah, yeah he got it right. Um, I think for the balance of the team, it's probably the right decision, although I do like the conga. Yeah, yeah and they kept they did keep showing his disciplinary record in this derby, and I thought this this <laughs> could come this could come back to bite him, but yeah, upon reflection, he got it bang on, didn't he? The thing with Xhaka is 
every time he has been sent off, he's typically hit his best form immediately after. <laughs> yeah, valid. And then he just has this little thing where people forget just what he can do. And then he has the horrible mistake again. We do the whole Xhaka should never play for Arsenal again thing. And then his next game, he'll have a worldie. So I thought Xhaka was very good yesterday. Uh, Smith Rowe coming in over Pepe was obviously another big call. Um, Pepe, the the leading goal contributor for Arsenal last season, looks a masterstroke now. Stuck with a Bamiyang up top despite Lacazette's recent record in the derby. Party staying in there, getting 90 minutes. Um, Erdegaard in the 10. When I was walking to the ground and I saw the team lineup come up, I said to Kai, I, I don't have a single complaint about the team. Like, there was nothing that I would have changed with it. I thought it was perfect. I thought if one of them where if it goes wrong, I can't really say that we didn't have the pieces on the pitch. No, that was my thinking going in, actually. I thought he'd got it right looking at it. Yeah. Um, I think he tried the uh, kind of deeper 4-3-3 with two eights against Burnley. Uh, mixed success. And I think it kind of set the stage. Typically, if Xhaka is available, Arteta picks Xhaka. If you look at the end of last season, he kept Xhaka in the team at left-back when Tierney was injured just to still cram him into the team. Um, and just from 1 to 11, I thought almost every single player in that team performed about as good as I could have hoped. Ramsdale at the back, the Yorkshire Buffon. I honestly, I don't think we paid enough for him in hindsight. <laughs> this man <laughs> is incredible. That save from Lucas Moura at the end, tipping it onto the bar. You look at the way he just came out and claimed crosses, the way he was just kind of orchestrating things. It was something you may not have seen on the TV. So every time the referee had his back turned, Ramsdale was interacting with the ball boys and he was essentially telling them not to throw the ball back in quick enough. And so every time there's a little thing, there's a bit with Deli Ali where one of the ball boys went to give him the ball and just threw it backwards over his own head and claimed that it was an accident because Ramsdale just kept telling him, slow it down, slow it down. There's no need to hurry up here. We've got this comprehensive lead. But it was like pantomime-like where the referee would have his back turned and the referee can't then book him because he wasn't seeing what was going on. The atmosphere yesterday was about as good as I think I've ever seen it at the Emirates. Um, some things with COVID have helped in the way that, not nice to them, but there's a pub that you you go past on the way to the Emirates. I think I've mentioned it on here before. Um, I'm not a pub guy anyway, but this was absolutely not my type of pub. Like uh, plastic glasses, you can't pay on card. The sofas are all torn up. People, One of them where you walk in and you feel like everyone's turning around to look at you as you go through the door. It was a rough place, um, <laughs> but it used to be packed out pre-game. Um, they seem to have closed, I'm assuming, COVID-related. And instead, Arsenal have taking it up and if you get into the ground now before the game uh, it's buy one get one free on pints oh dear so Lord. it was rowdy um, I got in later than I usually would coach was delayed again after I've preached about their reliability um, but I was still in uh, about 20 minutes before kickoff but it was pretty like charged up then um, I heard all the chants from uh, stand up if you ate Tottenham to one that the chorus was Ronaldo is a sex offender so there really was just a lot of variety yesterday. Um, also, the way they've changed things now, I know you used to get the congregation in the tunnel 
Um, and everyone would walk out together. But now that they aren't allowed to be side by side, the atmosphere almost seemed to charge up because Spurs came out first to kind of booze. And then the announcer, as he always does, does the, and now welcoming the Arsenal and the place just went mental. And then the fact we score 13 minutes in then, I don't know how it sounded on the TV, but the place was, was riled up for a place that typically is uh, slated for a lack of atmosphere. Yeah, I think like from what I heard from watching it on TV, it's exactly what happened. It's one of the rare occasions that Arsenal seems to be able to harness their home stadium. It's like a motivation for good instead of bad. The games against Spurs are usually you can rely on it being good, but it can turn toxic pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and honest, I wasn't very up for it before the game. I mean, I was saying to TK the night before, I almost couldn't be bothered to go down there. Um, I don't enjoy the games against Tottenham as it is. Like, uh, if, if you offered me before the season, if I could just snap my fingers, give me two points for the two games, I'd take it because the stress just isn't worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was confident last week on the podcast, obviously. It got to the day and the doubts were creeping in. Um, but then everything just seemed to fall into place. I mean, we get on to the other players, but when you saw Tottenham's lineup, there was nothing particularly surprising about it. I was perhaps, we mentioned Ndombele coming straight back into the team, which when they were so vocal about selling him, wasn't a great look. Lacelso drops. I don't think he's very good, but. I just assumed he would play as someone that can kind of get on the ball, spread the pitch. Ndombele and Delhi started in midfield was weird because that would indicate that you're kind of going to take the game to us. I don't know if you would all agree with that. I would assume yeah. that means you're going to get on the ball, you're planning to dictate the pace and create a lot of chances. And instead, I think we won the first ball and it was like you took 10 steps back. It was the strangest thing. Because it just played into our hands because that what was already a charged up place, we were on the ball and it just took it up two notches. I think like work rate as well. If you're going to play that way, there isn't, I don't think there's any more players in the league other than Deli Ali and Ndombele that I disassociate the word work rate with more than those. <laughs> yeah, spot on. So like, even, so even if they did press, turn rounds and then it was like three of your Arsenal's midfield versus Hoiberg. So he makes one step in either direction, he's completely out of position. And it just seemed they just seemed constantly to just waltz through that midfield. It was just it, I just I couldn't believe that they set that team up to do that. It was like you know when you go out with a game plan and you execute it perfectly. It's like the direct opposite of that. It's almost as if <laughs> he's told every single Spurs player different instructions. And they're still not following them. So they kind Alex, of did what they wanted and it all just went terribly. Alex, when you saw the lineup pre game, how were you feeling? Because I know you, you were trying to jinx it last week on the podcast saying about Arsenal, you know, it'd be a draw or Arsenal can't lose at home, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I just said were Arsenal would win 2-0. Were you confident going in? Tell be no. honest. No, genuinely not confident at all. I saw I saw the lineup. And was absolutely baffled as to why Ndombele was starting again. I, you know, my feelings on Deli Ali, but I couldn't really argue. Obviously, he's been a regular feature so far this season, and 
you know, it's a derby game against Arsenal and he does tend to do, well, does get it riled up. Kane, um, after Chelsea last week, you know, obviously he's a shoe in for starting with, but he isn't filling me with confidence at the moment. I just felt and like Palace the week unless, before. unless, uh, yeah, and Palace the week before, unless momentum swang in our favour early on, I don't think Kane was going to be of much help. Um, I was, I was confused with. I, I understood Tanganga coming back um, over Vince uh, over um, Royale. Um, I got that. Um, but aside it didn't from away, that, did it? Got smoked. No, no, it didn't didn't at all. Well, the entire team didn't really know what was going on. But I, I just, I wasn't overly. Put it like this: the starting lineup didn't fill me with confidence. To sum it up, I I just thought there were some serious cracks there. I couldn't understand why at least two players were were starting. Um, I wouldn't have started and and ballet. I. Maybe wouldn't have started Lucas Mora, even though he was maybe Jesus. one of our better players. Um, and I wouldn't have started Sanchez um, at all. I wouldn't have started Sanchez. I'm you not sure. Have, what it's... You do have history for Ropey and North London derby lineups. I mean, if we go back, yeah. there was a day, time where you didn't want Sun playing in the North London derby that TK will also remember. <laughs> well, the way the way the match the way the match panned out, I felt. Like Lucas Moore is a good player to bring on when you're looking to change thing up and interject a little bit of pace. Like get Delhi, yeah, I know, but get Delhi Ali. Well, we've been out of the game and he's 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 come on and saved us. So, um, but I would have maybe liked to have seen, like you said, I would like to have maybe bizarrely, I would have fancied uh, Lacelso on there just for a little bit of some creativity potentially, and he can be a little bit of a feisty character as well, which is what you want. Um, Somebody who's he, like he's definitely he, yeah he, yeah he's definitely the thing is though you the way that the team played in the end where none of them seemed up for it at all I'm looking for players that I would have had that without a shadow of a doubt would have been up for it like would have known what the fixture meant would have been feisty yeah. would have got the team fired up a little bit more Deli Ali is not one of those players and Dembele is not one of those players Deli um, Ali is not a player that knows what the derby means. <laughs> Evidently from his performance yesterday. Evidently from our performance yesterday, he doesn't really give a shit anymore. I think he's literally one of the worst. His level, if if we're honest. Worst. I I, wanted. He is. That is arguably the one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Tottenham. I've ever seen it. Literally to summarise it is what I'd call a Sean shoot performance. Ultimately disappointing. Sean wasn't playing. You, you can't keep deflecting it on to Sean. Sean wasn't and, playing. And to summarise, to summarise, to summarise, just don't show up at all. The problem was, is like there was no. We left so many pockets of space in front of the back four and just behind our front line, of which there was no movement into the space from Undumbele or Deli Ali. As about as much as it went, as about as much as the creativity went, was knock the ball forward, mostly in the air, and hope for the best. Which I understand that we're lacking, like a creative outlet in the midfield at the moment. But bloody hell, I'd expect better than that from no, you, some you players. You thought you could bully Ben White, and Ben White battered you. Ben White <laughs> took Harry Kane, put him in his pocket, had a little, tuck him in there, keep him there for the half, and then gave him to Gabrielle and said, "You know what? You finish with him now." If we go back to last week, you were mocking my combined North London Derby 11. 
I don't think I had me- I don't think I had enough Arsenal players in there. <laughs> when we looked and you were speaking oh. about Hoybier last week, and I said Hoybier, I don't know what you're seeing. Jacket is a better player than Hoiberg. I think, I, no, no, I think you're getting yes, a little. He is. Jacket no. is a better player than Hoiberg. You're getting, you're getting, you're getting a bit overexcited by effectively. You beat a terrible Spurs performance, but hang on, hang on. I, I think you were gloating three weeks ago that you were top of the league. Well, we were bottom. Look at the league well, table now. You're below us. Hold on a second. I have said, the Ramsdale side. I, I have said from the get-go this season that I know how this ends, so I'm just going to choose chaos from the outlet. Under no circumstances... When you're we're, being a coward. You're being a coward. <laughs> at the three games, did I think we'd be at the top of the table still? I went genuinely went into this game with no confidence because you're on the back of builder momentum and we've just come off the back of 3-0 defeats against the stats from the three well, I wins. I thought you'd be doing all right. You, you've had a Levy masterclass coming into the season, so I thought, you know, that would spur things on. Kept, uh, we've, kept our, we've, kept our, we've kept our best striker, but evidently... one? Showing up at the moment. Not showing up? Which one? This is a bloke that's showing up, collecting a paycheck, and he does not care. He went over to clap the away fans yesterday. They went and left. I Half time after him had gone. I considered dropping Kane, but you can't drop him because the moment you drop him, Man City rub their lips, uh, rub their hands together, and go, "You're looking to get rid of him." I've I've never heard a quieter set of away fans at the Emirates, and where I was positioned was actually so I was behind the goal where all the goals were, and the Spurs fans were to the right of us. I don't think they made a peep all game. I know there wasn't much to cheer about, but have a they, bit of pride. Hoybier. From what I heard last week about how good he is, about how he'd start in Arsenal's midfield, this and that, I expected a bit better that for him to be run around by a bunch of kids. I think you'll get you're getting so carried away here, yeah. So let's see how you fare on in the next two weeks. Let's little... talk about let's talk about Hoyberg in general. Hoyberg, what you're you Hoyberg? He still gets in your starting eleven. No, he doesn't. Is... No, he doesn't. He, he's come off the back of being in the Euro team, the Euro team of the tournament. And he had a, was in there as well, so if we go in down that path... He had a better season than any of your players in that position last year. And unfortunately, I mean, Thomas Partey let's can't get, get in the Euro team of the year. Let, let's not get carried away with you winning three matches in a row, one against a bum performance and then the other two against two bum sides. So, Which one were you? <laughs> bum performance. You've been smoked. You've been smoked 3-0. Uh, from, from front to back, Tommy Asu... What he was doing to Son, if Son had reported into the police for harassment, he probably would have got a charge out of it. It was uncomfortable to watch at times because Son, the people's champ, looked lost. It took Spurs playing on when Xhaka was down to get the goal. But he still put a got. He still put one past your bloody Rams, and Ramsdale should have saved that. That was a shocking. That was a shocking. Uh, shocking save. I think diplomatic relations between Japan and South Korea could genuinely be affected by this game. It was horrible. It was a lockdown. This was a lockdown from Tommy Asu. It was criminal almost. Uh, I wish we could get Kave on the pod and his clown that he claimed was texting him talking trash about Tommy Asu. Because I'm telling you, I don't know how many better right-backs there are in the league. The way he's settled in already. This is phenomenal. A defender that loves defending. 
Gabrielle has been showing what I was talking about last season as well. When I told you outside of Van Dyke, I don't know who else I would take over Gabrielle. <laughs> the distribution <laughs> yesterday. You said about Van White as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's just forget about those first three. Well. Let's just forget about those first three performances of the season. Let's just forget about those. Well, Gabrielle Gabriel didn't play. Gabrielle's first game of the season was against Norwich. He played. He played most of last season. In and out of the team, and had a good first season. So, are you chopping and changing between when you're in and out of the season as an excuse, or when it's just like an advantage? To... Look, Alex. Alex is very simple. He was very good in some games and terrible in others, and we're going to ignore yeah. the terrible ones. Okay. No, yeah, only going to focus on the good ones. No, no, he was a good one. Look, when he was I've alongside this... Mustafi, then he looked like he was struggling. But ah. which centre back wouldn't? Which centre back? It's only because of his mate. If you put Van Dijk next to Mustafi, he'll struggle as well. Okay. I I don't know what you can criticise about Arsenal after yesterday. I, so so are you? So I'll be honest. Not, Alex, give me a sec. Give me a sec. Nobody has tried to criticise Arsenal. You've just gone on a run. <laughs> Alex is talking down, saying it was just because Spurs were bummy. Arsenal. I mean, Spurs be bummy. I mean, that first half from Spurs was. I think probably the most disgraceful performance I've seen from a team. I I don't. I always think sometimes the not trying hard enough, not showing the right attitude, can be like an overplayed thing. But they were, I mean, to a man, absolutely dreadful. I've never seen anything like it. But a lot of that is the way Arsenal, Arsenal did not make on them. Top of that. Arsenal played well, but I mean, Spurs showed them in. I mean, if That's Arsenal robbed. If Arsenal robbed the house, Spurs literally welcomed them in and said, take what you want. It's the best half of football we've had since 2016-17, where we went 3-0 up against Chelsea under Conte and spurred them on to win the league. <laughs> in terms of just... It's, it was definitely the best you've played uh, under Arteta, I think, the best football. The, the, the passing, the way of beating the press, the... But there, there was I no press. With all due respect, there was no press. Well, they no attempted press. with the one. The second goal is Hoybier tries to press, gets muscled off it by Xhaka, tries claiming for a foul, by the way. That's your pussy old CDM there. They got boshed <laughs> over like that. Straight down the other end of the pitch, comes into uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, peels it out wide. I think they tried to press, and they, they, did, they did a better job of it in the second half, and we had to go along a bit more. We say countless times when you half-press... It's yeah. worse than if you don't at all. And, and that's where they ended up. I mean, some absolutely hideous performances in there. I mean, Ali was just, I mean, he's done. He's actually done. Kane's going to shoulder most of the responsibility, but but Son was woeful. There was at one point in the second half where there's a, a ball in behind, and, and albeit the centre half always has a head start here anyway, and Gabriel's pretty quick, but it wasn't even a race between him and Son. He murdered him. And uh, they look physically not at it, mentally terrible. I mean, I, I don't really know where they go from that performance. What did you think of Party and Odegaard, the two big signings last season? Very good. Very good. I thought Smith Rowe was another level, and I thought those two were great as well. Um, it, I, it sounds like I'm shitting on you a little bit, but I don't feel so bad now because you've kind of made them sound like the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, <laughs> That's what they looked like yesterday. Yeah, they did. Minutes. But but I mean, if you give people at like Party and Odegaard that sort of space, I mean, 
they must they can't have believed what they were given there. They must have thought no. this is our lucky day. Smith Rowe had the run of running the wing. He could do what he wanted, and he did look great. I, I thought Saka did as well, actually. I thought, I thought they they've got the way they sort of mingled into positions as well was was probably the highlight of it from my point of view of Arsenal where I said before there doesn't seem to be a plan or direction they looked like a team and they looked like they they knew what they were doing which sounds like they probably should anyway but in, in this game it, it all came together well but they they couldn't have dreamed for more space and, and more time than they're ever going to have like, like that goal that they score where you bring up that um where Hoybier loses the ball or whatever yeah. it's, it's really well worked from Arsenal but the there's just so many errors in there. I mean, Aubameyang, it's a nice flick around the corner. But the centre, I don't think, should allow him to do that. He shouldn't be in a position where Smith Rowe, he's not slow, but Sanchez looked like he's turning no, trailer. He looked really quick, quick yesterday. He, he looked quicker, didn't he? I thought. Yeah, but he's, again, Spurs look kind of leggy in a way, which I can't have any explanation for that either. If you can't be gassed over a big win over your rivals, then football's probably not the right game. No, you should be. And, and this is absolute perfection for the rest of us because Spurs are shit and Arsenal are just starting to think they're a little bit good again and we'll soon go back to being shit so it's, well, it's porn for the rest you, of us actually. so James Ollie at ESPN his headline today was neither Arsenal nor Tottenham are where they want to be but only the Gunners look capable of climbing out of their hole <laughs> well, that's a stretch so are you Arteta in now? Well, on, on, on this side I'm not Arteta on... in but I mean that's, that's if, if there's a way to get people back on your side then that's a good way to go about it on this game, you would certainly say that. But I'm not going to base my opinion entirely on one game. But on this one, you would you would assume that, yeah. So, I mean, over Spurs' last three games now, they've lost 9-1 on aggregate. Um, uh, 9-1, uh, by the way. I, I thought that was just uh, worth saying. Uh, I just wondered if you were as smug as you were a couple of weeks ago, Alex. Smug about what? You were particularly smug after Arsenal had lost to City. Um, well, considering considering I, I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't smug after we beat City on the opening day of the season because, like I said to you from the start, you were smug we're, after we lost. We're, we're 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 I I know how this ends, and I'm just going to choose chaos. But for all of the talk of that arrogant tour that you just meant said, well, we're. For all of the the little spur of games that you've just been on, we're exactly the same place in the table on the exact same goal difference. So I, I don't like you know you can say nine one and aggregate, but you've 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 you struggled to beat a bum side on the opening day of the season. Got hand, your ass handed to you by Chelsea and City as well. And uh, you know is you you can you can't turn around and say that you've you know exactly had a, a better start to the season than we have. So for all of your chat. You know, we've just bent you over 3-1. Uh, yeah, and City and Chelsea bent you over. You haven't managed to beat it. You haven't managed City to beat it. Yeah. I mean, we've beat it. We've beat City who are better than us. And we've had our, we've been beaten by Chelsea and you. So what does it mean? Absolutely we've fuck all. Bent you over. You, 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 you're in the exact same place in the table with us on the exact same goal difference. So for all the chat, well, you've won well, three games. You've won Talking from experience this season alone, winning three games means fuck all. <laughs> Especially what when it takes us to the top of the table. What colour is North London? Uh, a mix of white and a mix of no, white and no, that hesitation uh, told uh, me all I need to know. 
It don't feel like white today, but I guarantee you. I guarantee you, it don't feel like white today, but I guarantee you. I guarantee you. <laughs> this this brief this brief uh, enjoyment that you've had really uh, it, it's going to make it's going to make it in the next few weeks when Arteta reminds us what he's all about. <laughs> like you just yeah. Look we forward. Be, we can be as shit as we need to be this season. We've bent Spurs over in the derby. And that's ultimately there's the another game of the season done. There's another, there's, another, there's another derby to go yet. But the one at the Emirates means more. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not sure you want another derby anyway, just to see, you know, on, on current evidence, I wouldn't be going, let's run it back. I'll, uh, no. I'm not sure a rematch would be uh, too, too great an yeah. idea for you. A couple other points from the game. Brian Gill, worst hair in the league? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he needs to. Someone needs to have a word about that. Um, Probably the only on. one who put in a respectable performance when he came on, though. Yeah, he, I, w- uh, I would say probably the only one who emerges with some credit. He got it, Tommy Atu, more than Sunday did. That, uh, that's what I mean. He, he had an impact, didn't he? I know it's partly that. I mean, I wanted, I wanted more goals from Arsenal. Actually, I kind of, I smelled blood. I found, I quite fancied uh, it getting messy, but uh, Arsenal did their thing of dropping off in the second half, didn't they? Which, as you pointed out. When they got that first goal back, and I'm sure you were terrified that it was going to end in a draw. I was terrified if, at three 0 But if if Ramsdale doesn't pull off that worldy save from Mora, what's that oh. around 80, 87 minutes sort of time? Uh, if they score, 88. 88 right. So if they score that, they get the third. Yeah. You know that happens. Yeah, yeah. So so and for a game that you will rarely see a team be as dominant as Arsenal were in that first half. So the it idea happens. that that could have been thrown away is insane. We did it to Chelsea and United in previous years as well, and it's. Um, I actually, I actually said at half time, uh, I would have gone five at the back. Um, that's just my football mentality, I think. Um, so the very but, thing that you said, right? Don't sit back now. You would have, you know what? Sit back, lads. Well, I thought there's ways of sitting back, and we decided to sit back and not even try and get on the ball. Whereas sitting back with just a, a better base and just because they, um, I don't know how it looked. It looked like. Did Tottenham switch to five at the back at half time or did it look like they they had more width in the second half? I didn't know if that was because they brought an extra Yeah, because they back. brought on they brought on Royale and Skip, didn't they? Yeah. they did, and they took off um Ali and Sanganga. So I think it was still ah, okay. the same shape. Oh, they didn't say who it was that went off, so I thought Tanganga was still on. Um You definitely could have said that about Delhi, crushed alive. <laughs> <laughs> Penalty shouts at both ends. Um now, the Ben White one on Kane was right in front of me. Um, I thought it was a foul, and I thought, but I thought it was outside the box at the time. Having seen it back, I can only assume that Kane's reputation has gone against him because he is a horrible, cheating, diving bastard. <laughs> oh, my God. You are so full of shit. It's I mean, quite, that's hard to argue. Yeah, if you ask almost any other fan in the league who the biggest diver in the league is, Ronaldo probably is top now. Harry Kane's going to be in most people's top three. And I think that's gone against him because I don't know why else that is, a penalty isn't given there. I mean, being in the stadium, you are in Prudis, but they don't even really look at it either. Well, they, just, they just go, I looked at, it's carrying on. and They didn't show us a replay or anything like that, really. I had a message from you in the chat saying that's a pen. There was one from mm. Connor saying that's a stonewall pen. Um, my uncle texted me saying that's got to be a pen. 
And then I saw I text him, like, are they checking it? And then he just didn't reply. But then the game just kind of carried on. Like. Yeah, that was exactly it. Very weird. Um, at the other end, I thought the kind of um, Gabriel. Yeah, I did think kind of summed up Spurs in that I, I don't know how bothered they were about it. I mean, something like that. Imagine, like, I don't know, in like a Chelsea game, or whatever, if one of their players went down yeah. in the box and that, the rest getting an absolute torrid time until he goes over to a screen, probably. Well, in the Spurs, it was like, oh, well, we don't really care. Kane, Kane stayed down and no one came and picked him up. They just left him to get up of his own. That probably, that probably speaks volumes as well. Um, the, the one at the other end, I thought, was one that Arsene given, but isn't really a foul. Someone type in there. Type Someone seems to be typing. Um, Typing up minutes. The one, the one on Gabriel, where it's, someone's he's basically gone into the back of him when uh, Aubameyang's headed it on. Yeah, you were getting that. Uh, I mean, I was screaming for it at the time, um, but that was more out of desperation. The Spurs had actually come back into the game a bit more at 2-0, and then it was almost a bit of a sucker punch at the time to go 3-0 up. The way it came about as well was obviously Kane falling yeah. over and basically setting him up with a slide yeah. tag at the end with... He's obviously busted go. It's probably the quickest he's ran the whole game. Just to do that is, uh, I imagine, brilliant for an Arsenal fan. It it was very much not being able to believe what was happening. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Up, I can imagine. Looked at the clock and saw it was only 13 minutes in. And that feeling of, I might be a bit too early here. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about <laughs> this. And I've said plenty of times before, um, I actually feel better somewhat a 1-0 down than 1-0 up because I know I know what this win could feel like now. I've started to think about it. Rather than knowing what you've away. got to lose. Yeah, exactly. When you're 1-0 up. 2-0 then, you start to think about maybe the embarrassment and 3-0 it's, we really can't lose this. <laughs> um, yeah, Spurs just pathetic pretty much. I mean, Nuno coming out with his press conference after, I don't know how you all took that. Him saying he had a game plan, but the players weren't able to execute it feels rough. I feel like any time you ever spin it back on the players, when, if we're fair, there's only so much the manager can do. Some of it is on the players. It never feels good when you do then point it at them. Because I saw some people saying that he, by doing this, he was shouldering the blame. He was taking the blame. And I was thinking, well, I don't read it as that. I read it as I set my team up and, and they weren't able to go and do what I asked. When well, he kept uh, saying, of I course think he, I take the blame while saying. Whilst, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and I think he, um, the, the idea was right, but obviously the personnel was right. He's in a funny spot here. Right? He's done it a couple of times now where I look at the team he puts out and he's clearly trying to be expansive and more attacking. But, in this game, you've got to be a bit smarter. If you look at what Arteta did, changed from the last one, where I'd say it was right to bring in Jack or someone in there. Previously, he essentially had Party as the only one holding back to the yeah. rest was was all going forward. You couldn't do that in this game. And that's essentially what Nuno asked his team. He essentially had Hoybier plus five attacking players. Really. If you've got Ndombele and Ali next to him, they're not going to put in the defensive shift that you need. They're technically good players, but they're not going to do get through the work that they're going to need. And it showed. I mean, this was, if you ever have a situation where a fan just wants as many attacking players on as you can get, yeah. particularly like, show this to an England fan at times when we could be a bit mad. Yeah. This is the poster for why that doesn't always necessarily work. It's it's obviously bad defensively, but they weren't even able to get on the ball as a result because they just were never able to actually 
kick the ball up. They were just getting run ragged. Well, even then, they had Hoybier dropping in and trying to collect the goal kicks each time, which meant then even in front of him, he had absolutely nobody to pass to. Exactly. Where he was having to get through all the way, he was running around like a headless chicken, so he didn't really have the positional discipline. And he's very good at breaking up the play, but that's it. He's not going to be getting on the ball and spraying it. That's the last thing you want is him picking up the ball. So they just, from top to bottom, I thought Nuno got it wrong with how he set up, but I think the players could have got a lot more out of it than they did. Their general sort of attitude to it was appalling. If you were an opposing coach, though, if, I mean, if you were the Spurs manager on this occasion, would you not say, would you not say, look at the start they've had to the season, this is going to get very bad for them if we can get in the lead early, just get in their faces, put them under pressure. Yes. And Spurs very much have the players to do that. When you look mm. at your Lucas Moore, you look at Kane, you look at Son, they're the type, you can press high up the pitch, you can just force into a mistake, which they nearly do on the second goal before uh, we wriggle out of it. it. It just seems strange to kind of sit in because it was almost like you, they were trying to stay in the game as if you were playing like a Chelsea or a City, which you definitely weren't. And also it's totally not, belies the team you've put out. It's not a team where you yeah. can sit in, you've got to go with, you've got to attack really with that team. Well, I mean, Burnley the week before stuck it on us. Um, and I think they had more crosses into the box than they'd had in like the last two seasons in one mm. game. It, it just was baffling. I mean, it worked perfectly for us. Um, do you think there was any part of, you know, a 3-0 thought about damage limitation? Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, they, they probably will go out, go with the sort of the party line that we won the second half. So yeah, I did think that <laughs> they'll probably go with that. I imagine. Um, I think that's uh, really looking for positives there at that stage. But I guess they'll take it. Alex, if you had five hundred pounds in your pocket now, and you had to put it on Arteta or Nuno being sacked first, who would who would it be on? Uh, Arteta you still think Arteta will go before Nuno yeah even if Levy's in a funny spot Levy's in a funny spot with him now isn't he he's, has he got he's kind of got a unless it gets really bad he's kind of got, got to leave him to it isn't he if you're not seeing the reports that are already coming out today within the Spurs camp that's usually a bad sign why what have they said so they said uh, essentially you've got the worst parts of Jose without the CV is how they've described it oh Jesus and said that his man management is just horrible and the the weird thing is like from the outside a lot of Arsenal fans aren't happy with Arteta but internally the majority there do seem to be really on board with him and I think it could be the other way around where maybe some Spurs fans are thinking it would be wrong to just get rid of a manager this soon I'm not sure those players are as enthused playing this way because a lot of these players now weren't playing under Wenger. I think Xhaka and Bellerin were the only ones that were when I look back now. Um, Al Nenny actually, but he isn't, he isn't really playing. Whereas a lot of this Spurs team are constantly comparing it to Pochettino. That's the thing where you look at Ali, you look at Kane, two who clearly have played their best football under him. Any manager that is anything different to him, that's going to be the comparison. It's just a typing. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> is, is Jack doing some work? I think he might. Not me, no. Trust me, I clock off. <laughs> it's Alex, then, isn't it? He's typing up a meal plan. 
I'm not typing up a real man. It's not me. The only thing I'll be typing up is a bloody letter of get out of my club to bloody Daddy Alley. So basically, basically, you've just been caught out there because you said I'm typing up to a real man and they've <laughs> caught you out. Jack, if, if, if you uh, had to put 500 on who to be sacked first, Arteta or Nuno, who, who would you think it'll be? Oh, it's so difficult because if they carry on, because even the games that they were winning at the start of the season, they shouldn't have won. They were really lucky to. Uh, I know that they beat 7 0, which is fair enough, but the other games were just scrappy 1 0 wins that. They're sitting top of the league. I was like, yeah, there's absolutely no way. I hate is, scrappy one no wins. Um, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? They weren't convincing. Put it no, out. sacked in the morning was being chanted yesterday. And I will say, some Spurs fans stood up during the stand up if you ain't Tottenham <laughs> chats. So, yeah, I think if I was going to put 500 quid on either one, it would still probably have to be Arteta just because. This result papers over a lot of cracks. Yeah, yeah. do you not think that buys him more time then? Not particularly, no. Because like you still want him out. <laughs> You're just happy. I, want- but I'm not. I'm not in the middle of the club. There, there were people chanting his name yesterday, a lot more than I expected. Um, right. I think if you put in all the factors, I think the FA Cup is still going to be mentioned. I think you put that derby win down, not just winning, but the way that uh, we won the game. I think <laughs> you put down. He's been given 140 million to spend. I think all these things only strengthen his position rather than the other way around. Whereas the problem with I'll just jump in there. The problem I look at yeah. Nuno in the Spurs job is that that is not a desirable job. People know that there's no money yeah, there, um, and it's like they turn like Conte turned them down. They were just about to sign him. They turned him down because there's no money there. They know what they're getting when they with Levy, and they also know that their star striker wants to leave. I can, I can see Sun then wanting to leave afterwards as well. So oh. I don't think any other big manager would really take that job. So I'm not calling Nuno a big manager either. I'm just saying that... He's a bum, isn't he? Say he's a bum. There's not anyone else. I mean, I'd, we have just had a summer of them failing to get managers in fact. Yeah. yeah where do what? they go do, from here? Did you see the quote from Fonseca in the week? No? Yeah, I wasn't sure what to make of that. How... <laughs> Alex, yeah. did you see this? What was it? No. Fonseca claims that um, they they didn't appoint him in the end because he wanted to play two attacking football. Yeah, it, it kind of sounded like a bloke saying <laughs> the, the girl wasn't interested because his dick was too big. It was like, I'm not sure that's <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. He said they discussed uh, transfer targets and everything, and then the football he wanted to play was just going to be too good for Spurs to want to pick. Like Levy's just gonna be sat opposite. It was like, no, that doesn't sound. That doesn't sound for me. Thank you. No, I, I thought it was bold. Um, TK, before we move on, um, did you come out of that game higher on Arsenal or lower on Spurs? Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm cheating here, and that I thought there is at least a way forward for Arsenal. I think if he can get that team out as much as possible, barring injuries, obviously, if he can focus, he at least seems to know his best. 11, it's not close. He's got an idea, which is progress. Um, something for them to build on. But yeah, I, I was def- I was lower on Spurs, I'm afraid. I mean, they're... no one's playing well. Yeah, no one can hold ahead of it. I said, it's, if it was just that Kane was in a different form, I could say, well, look, someone like Son will get you out of trouble enough times or something like that. He looked terrible as well. I thought 
And as you said about reports coming out, it that makes sense because the players looked unhappy. They looked not fully fit even. Um, and the the bigger concern is how does he change it? You think that, like Gil came on off the bench, he was alright. Other than that, they don't really have any options to change this. Um, Wingers um, probably aren't the area that are getting Spurs out of trouble. When you look at the likes of Bergwijn, you've got their yeah the bench as well. <laughs> yeah, they're just essentially the defensively we know they're a bit questionable. And the midfield, he just can't get any balance right in there. So if, they're probably going to put someone like Skip in there just because he's he positionally is solid enough. But I don't think he's good enough, or he's just young, whichever. I don't know. So I think they're a bit of a rudderless ship at the minute. I'm not really sure how he's going to fix it. Alex, doing by what you said pre-game, did that game change your opinion on Spurs, whether it be the manager, whether it be the players, or was it just what you expected? In um, in what respect, in terms of so potential did, for the did season? Did, did or... they go down in your estimations in terms of just your aspirations for the club, in terms of what you think they can achieve, um, in your confidence in the team going into further future fixtures? Uh, it, it, after seeing that performance, it lowered my confidence um, with how bad things are at the club. Um, with regards to um, the the well the players that we've got there at the moment that it's made me doubt it's made me doubt the situation with Kane to is probably the most important point because you look at what we've got now I I was thinking to myself yesterday I, 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 with the way he's performing at the moment and his attitude on the pitch I'd drop Kane but you can't drop him because the moment you drop him City rub their hands together and Trying I mean, to get anything, anything over more, any anything over 150 million goes out the window. You're lucky to get 100 million for him at that point. I just play, keep playing him and his value's going to yeah, be down. I mean, yeah, but that, your problem that, is you that, don't have an alternative. Is, is yeah, that, that's the thing. Thinking. That's the thing. So you you got you got to you, you you're stuck. You're stuck. So that that's my point with Kane. In terms of the potential in the, the rest of the squad, like I I think there are some good there are some good players there. But a lot of holes, a lot of big holes. Um, Deli Ali being an absolute asshole who needs to get out of the club. Um, uh, I don't know why we're playing Bergwijn. I just don't. When looking at that performance on Stevie yesterday, Wonder. with the lack of, with the lack of, um, it's, uh, look, looking at Endebelli's like the situation with him. Why would you play him in a match where you want the most character out of your players, the most drive, the most hunger? that when you do go 1-0 down, you know what the fuck it means and that you've got to try and everything, give everything you possibly can to win it back. I, um, I can't you got you got one. No, I, no, there's no... No, you don't, because... You, you, I'll, I'll because go on. Well, I was going to say, when you look at the other options and you look at yeah, Harry Winks, who, I mean, Spurs fans seem as uh, cold on him as anyone's been for like a, a local kind of prospect. I think when you clearly know how talented he is, I don't think you have much choice but to play him. I think it's a similar situation as Arsenal have been in with Pepe previously. Where do you not think you can trash him though in that case? I do, I do, and I think it, that's it's why very hard to pull him in from the cold, isn't it? Yeah, you usually give it the um, we know what he can achieve, and with Pepe you get a lot of I wish we could see what we see in training rather than the 
knocking. Yeah, but there's a, like, normally once that happens, you think right, it's yeah. he's not coming back in, isn't it? Is is Alex, the thing? Honestly, I, I, yeah, but I don't, I don't. I, no, no. But the thing is, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think there's a process to that in incorporating a player back into the squad, throwing him in at a derby. That means yeah, the most. Agree. You don't do that. I, think I will say there were periods of that game where I thought he was probably trying harder than anyone in the Spurs team, which is an indictment on how, how bad they were. But I thought at least he's trying to get on the ball and drive a little bit. He was showing a some lot. character where others weren't. It, it, by no means was he great, but it, he at a least showed me something. He yeah, that, that's what I mean. Trying to get on the ball. Yeah, exactly. So there, there was at least something there where I, I could cling on to. Which, but is that a that's positive for Ndombele or is it just a negative for the rest of the team? I probably know which camp I'd fall in on that one. Well, some, something that the Spurs fans would find as well, and it's the same thing that we had with Ertzil, is um, if you don't play him, you're going to get a lot of murmurs mm, that yeah. grow louder saying, why isn't this guy playing? Because whether it be Skip and you say he's too young, because he, I think he obviously is better than he showed yesterday, um, whether it be Deli Ali not performing, whether it be uh, Harry Winks in there or Lacelso, people are very quickly just going to remember the goal in uh, the FA Cup that Ndombele scored or yeah, his yeah, step yeah. overs and shifting someone. And people will say, look, we're struggling here. Put this guy in and hope that it just clicks. And it's because, a fix all, yeah. 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 So I think he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't there. If I'm him, Unless you're getting a lot more from someone else, and with Ertzel you had Ertzel was being dropped, and in his place you were at least getting legs or something like that. You were getting something, not anything near the technical ability, but whether it was a Torreira or whether it was, I, I don't say an Elneny, but whether it <laughs> could be something in that place that you can at least say, we don't have that, but we have this. It looks like if you don't have Ndombele there, you seemingly don't have either. No, that's it, isn't it? Uh, not enough alternatives for them. You've got uh, Villa up next in the league, Alex. So and we've got Brighton, so could be uh, rough for the pair. <laughs> we've got Brighton at 5.30 on Saturday, actually. Um, could anyway, be top of the league, Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Um, since the transfer window shut now, we are three for three. So uh, those people that said once Arteta gets his team, Tommy Asu obviously was uh, all we needed to uh, sort things out there. No one said the process would be easy. No. Trust in it. The last thing I I just had this written down to say, um, that international break, I think we could look back on as a godsend. And I'm still with Arsenal, regardless of uh, what I've said. Some of it tongue-in-cheek. Some of it, Gabriella, I am very high on party, all, all these others. Just that break in being able to have extra time with Ramsdale and get him in the team with Leno going away. You look at um, the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe getting uh, Smith Rowe, sorry, not Saka, two weeks on the training grounds and all these extra ones where it seems a togetherness has come out of that. I think that could be something that is at least going to turn our season around somewhat in that we aren't battling the uh, relegation. It also just so, stopped the, the flames, I think. A little, it was at that point, it was at Arsenal, it was just kind of bubbling up. And I think if you, yeah. all it would have taken another game or two and it, it all would have got too much. Just But then it can sort of dissipate for a couple of weeks and you come back in and it's always a lot calmer after an international break. Well, yeah, you look at how Spurs' international break ended and you had Romero and uh, Lo Celso and Sanchez unable to play in the next fixture. 
I mean, those those things all will end up playing into it with Spurs, and that basically they've had a lot of off-field issues. They essentially, had a yeah. summer where their, <laughs> their striker wanted to leave. They haven't been able to get a manager, and now they've got in problems with international players as well. It's just all adds up eventually. Yeah. If we get into the uh, Chelsea game, and we'll uh, go in the order of their uh, play. So, Jack, I don't know how confident you were going into the game with City. <clears throat> Everyone I at least asked for a prediction. I don't think I heard anyone picking City for the win, regardless of um, the fact that they are who they are. Everyone was about as high on Chelsea as they've been for years. Really mm. impressed with what they've seen so far. It, was it just a bad day at the office? Yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those where they just got it wrong. And Tuchel came out after the game and said he got it wrong, which is refreshing to hear because he did. And it was just... It's not that I wasn't confident going into it, but on the flip side of it, the silver line that I've taken from this is if it comes down to the final couple of weeks of the season when we play them at the Etihad, I don't want to be having to go to the Etihad to beat Pep five in a row. So if we beat... <laughs> this is a hell of a spin on this. Yeah, <laughs> this is incredible. But if we've got, we've got the last out of the way where it doesn't really matter because they've already lost to Spurs. Crack on from here, and that's fine. We just need Liverpool to lose now and then yeah. get some days back again. I, I think it's one of those where we started out the game like com- completely how we didn't start all of the other games. We took it to City beforehand. And even in the Champions League, like, we had about four chances before before we scored. Whereas this, I didn't even know how we were going to get a chance. They're perfect in their pressing. And the City that has been kind of they, they go and win a couple of games 5-0, then lose 1-0 to Spurs or draw 0-0 with Southampton. They've been kind of up in the air this season. It was one of those games where I think the marginal differences were going to play a part and they got a deflected goal, then we started playing football and then, yeah, it was just one of those games. Bad day at the office. Hopefully learn from it and move on. Also, the games in which you've looked bad under Tuchel, you haven't looked particularly bad. This looked a bit more familiar to the games towards the end of last season where you had a bit of a struggle before ultimately winning the Champions League. So I don't think you're going to cry too many tears uh, over that. But this felt a bit familiar where regardless of who you have on the pitch, I wasn't ever really looking at this thinking, uh, if, like, if it was United, and oh, I think you're a much better team than them, you always have the feeling that Okay, they probably are going to get a goal now because City haven't killed them off. It didn't really feel like that with Chelsea. It felt like City were kind of just playing that slowly because they could. Like they were just doing with Chelsea what they wanted to. Yeah, that's exactly it. the pace they came out to start with. They completely tore us a new one. We mm. couldn't get the ball off, and we tried to play around the press, which we'd managed to do in all the games we played against Pep previously. But this game just wasn't working. We kept losing the ball 25 yards from our own goal and just piling the pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. They didn't score before the half-time. Now, yeah. we, they go 1-0 up through... I mean, I'm not going to say they didn't deserve to be up, but it was a deflected goal and it was just one of those things. And then all of a sudden, they flicked a switch and we started not causing them problems, but causing them actual problems than we had done earlier in the game. Like there was... A few chances where if the ball had been just better, we would have been clean through on goal. One of them was for Werner, so it doesn't really count because he would have missed. Lukaku was bad. He was bad on Saturday. 
Yeah, again, didn't have much service. And when he did have service... Like, it wasn't sticky. What, what I couldn't believe was no one was getting in and around these players. They were having, like, outlet balls. And there was a chance where, but not a chance, there was no... Towards the end of the game, Werner got the ball, draw past a couple of players, ran right into the corner. There's four players around him and no support. I just thought, yeah, chalk this one off to a bad yeah. set all round and then just try and go again. Because we, we started out with the 3 5 2, which the three in midfield helped us against Spurs. And I think Mason Mount being out, like, for what everyone says, if, oh, he doesn't put up the numbers or he's not as good as everyone says he is, that link between the striker front three and the midfield two. He's like invaluable and he comes back and he creates that link whereas it was so disjointed it looked like Jorginho and Kovacic were trying to like jump around a few players and all of a sudden there was no one to pass him so they'd just lose the ball constantly just a weird do one think, um, do you think Havertz should have started no I think he's right I would have started Werner personally because the chances and the opportunities we did have were when they were playing their high line and Werner got in behind I think he was banking on him having a bit of better service and trying to get it across the box to Lukaku to finish. And I genuinely think that that was the right call. What I do think he should have done is started with two in midfield, um, Kante and Kovacic. Not because Georgina's done anything bad, he's been playing brilliantly, but he just doesn't have the legs to keep up with that Man City team. Um, it's great when you there was one where De Bruyne went past him and I thought Jorginho was moving back in time. That was he is, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Like he is slow. He is slow. Yeah, he is. Um, so, yeah, I would have just literally... And the problem we had as well is they did push us back into a back five and we were a back five all game. If we just played with three, had a bit more of a mobile midfield and that would have allowed our wing-backs then to push on a bit, it would have created a lot more pressure on that City midfield but because we played as a back five it was basically just pass it around Jorginho um, and then just see what you do with it at the edge of the box which in all intents and purposes for City wasn't a lot um, they got their goal and that's all they needed Who do you think would win a foot race Jorginho or Xhaka? Fuck me I've no, I don't back Jorginho <laughs> Honestly oh, he is great with the ball but he is slow really slow I'd quite like to see that actually <laughs> um, I also like the irony of me sat here saying how slow they are while watching <laughs> it um, yeah I think like just it can happen to anyone everyone gets beaten at some stage I think and they are, are a rough game against them we ended with 10 men and nearly conceded 7 so uh, yeah fair. TK I don't know your, your prediction going in but were you any higher on City leaving the game than you were going in? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I, I will admit I'd probably fallen into the camp that felt City were... I don't know if we sort of take City for granted, but it's a little bit where you see Lukaku banging them in for Chelsea. Um, I was about to say you see Ronaldo for United, but I don't really buy into United too much. But there's a, a freshness to those two teams where City, you don't quite get it, and you feel they missed out on Kane, so you wonder, is that... And they've had some questionable performances, but this was, I think, a, a timely reminder of how good they are. As Jack is right to point out what, what Chelsea sort of got wrong, but I do think this was a statement from City. I think they were intent on coming out from the jump, dominating the ball, and pushing Chelsea back. 
and, and never really let them get into it, I don't think. And it was it was an impressive performance, I will say. As a motivator, I think first time playing the team you lost during the Champions League away from home, I think that is probably one of the biggest motivators of all. Yeah, if you can't get up for it. Then. Yeah. yeah. Do you not think after what maybe our concerns were um, before the move happened, or not even maybe concerns the wrong word, but Grealish doesn't look out of place in this City team, does he? He looks completely the part. He looks as dangerous as anyone else in the team. There's, there's a point in the first half where I was watching them thinking, this is really good from City, but they're doing the classic thing where you're not sure if they're going to break this team down. Chelsea was sitting deep. Um, and Grealish had a couple of times where he really slowed the play down. And I was thinking, this is not really what they need in this. As good as he is, this is not what City need in this instance. They need something a bit quicker to break this team down. Um, they obviously are aided by that deflected goal, as Jack pointed out. But as the game went on, Grealish really just grew into it, like you said. He's... He could have had a, a couple of goals in there as well. He, yeah. He's looking more and more the, the, the guy. I mean, I know Jesus ends up bagging, but they are probably a, a really key, a really quality player in his position away from being able to cut open anyone, probably. I, I don't see City's title charge relying on whether they beat the likes of Chelsea or not. I think they have too many games like the Southampton game last week, and I think that will be what will let them down, whereas Chelsea, I'm fairly convinced they're going to beat Southampton, for example, most days of the week. And I think they can afford to lose to City um, if they really need to, because I think they'll go over the line against the others. So I think it's an interesting way of seeing how it pans out. The point you raised about Lukaku was a fair one, by the way. With the, it, he, he, he didn't get much shows, but that... Um, I think one of the, the fairer criticisms that he had in United, and I know we've said before that he probably had a rough deal there. One of the fairer criticisms of him was for a big guy, his hold-up play was horrific at United. And a lot of people said it's because of, you know, he's touched like a trampoline. Yeah. But even at times, it was kind of like, even the ball is in defeat. Uh, you're a big guy who can hold people off. Why are you not holding off and bringing others into the game? There are a couple of instances in this one where it was clear Chelsea weren't just going to be able to get on the ball and spray it like they sometimes do. So you need your striker to be that outball to be able to to hold it and bring players in, and he just never did. It was a bit of an odd performance from him. I, I do think he doesn't even need. I was just going to say, coming back, yeah. to that, that the loss of the wide players up front with him, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Werner constantly wanting to run in behind. That's all he was doing all game because he's been told to do that. That's why he didn't see him, obviously. So you'd have the ball pumped up by Kovacic, who's just beating a player. Kante's hovering around looking to see when he's next got a tackle somewhere. And then you've got Jorginho, who's like on the edge of our own box struggling to get up with plays. So he he's deeper like, than the centre half. Yeah, that was like <laughs> genuinely the most isolated I've ever seen one of our strikers since the days of. I'm, I'm not he, saying it's um, it's not a thankless task. It is a thankless task, but he's kind of never well, got near achieving no, it, if you know no, what I mean. I do you, think you don't have to be Harry Kane. Like Harry Kane's a freak when he's when he's doing that properly. You're not supposed to call him that, man. But, I mean, you look at, um, I think a fair comparison would be Benteke against Spurs, and we're talking levels here. The way Benteke took the ball and just sprayed it out wide, and that just helped them get up the pitch five yards. Lukaku is obviously 100 times the player Benteke is, so we're not asking him to Mm. be anything that, that he isn't. Just... I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was just a rough game for everyone, but he certainly didn't help the cause. And 
the same criticisms that we'd be giving Grealish if they hadn't won. When you're a hundred million pound man, you, the 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 expectations are, are lifted for you, aren't they? So these are the games you hope he makes a difference in. It's a little bit like what Keane was jumping on Kane's back last week, where he's saying, you know, being a centre forward isn't just about the goals and that sort of thing. It is kind of about having to bully the defenders a bit and, and put yourself about yeah. a bit. You kind of felt like Lukaku gave them a bit of a softer day than the Portal Diaz would have been expecting. Yeah. What a joke that he wasn't there yesterday, by the way. Oh, he'd have loved that, wouldn't he? Christ. Soonest, by the referring to Spurs as we at one stage. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But that's, that's just, the beauty. It's kind of the beauty of him and Keane is that they uh, they obviously grew up as uh, Spurs fans, though, so they are a little bit. Ah, okay. I didn't I didn't know he was a Spurs fan. Well, I um, believe Sunes came from, was played there as a youth player, I believe. So he had the okay, affiliation okay. from that, and Keane grew up a Spurs fan. So both of them kind of have that um, that passion of a fan, whilst also they're not obviously that closely yeah. associated with the club, so they can't hammer them. Well, this is what Twitter's done for me then, because Twitter's told me today that it's just because he's bitter about 1989. Um, so, um, that's why he hates Arsenal. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, had no, I had no clue he was a Spurs fan. That, that makes more sense. Um, Ledley was thrown to the wolves a bit, wasn't he? He, he looked like... <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know he's an ambassador now. Does he have any association inside the club He's not a coach or anything, is he, Ledley? I don't know if he does now, but he did at one point, didn't he? Yeah, so they referenced it at one point. That is a bit of a trick. I thought they were putting him... He kind of was trying to be defensive for them. Tony Adams, I think, is a wild card, wherever he is. I mean, some of the things he was coming up with when he just started cracking up, when he just started cracking up, going, this is just brilliant, all this (laughs) talk. (laughs) He was really enjoying himself. McManaman on uh, Saturday, he was really getting on Lukaku's case. Like, he's been on there, must be Neymar or something. He usually reserves that for him. There was <laughs> one where Lukaku took a heavy touch and he was raging. And he was saying, he's got to hold it up better than that. What is he doing? Jeez, Louis, I don't know if he's got a bet on or something. You often feel like I that, Lukaku. He was yeah, he's really on their case. Um, yeah, I felt relieved that Arsenal got the win for Tony Adams because I thought if he's cutting loose like this when they win, <laughs> I don't want to see the flip side when it goes wrong. No, I'm, it it was nice to be fair because usually we've got the likes of Alan Smith um, who secretly hates Arsenal, I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> Tony Adams still was claiming Wenger could have sorted it out years before if he'd just listened to him, which I think is a bit bold and he said that before. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's it's tricky with these. I do think with Sky, the fact that they have Neville doing the United games, they have Carragher doing the Liverpool games, I think they do feel a bit under pressure to kind of get almost an ally for some of these teams when they have these big games. Because you see it so often, and I, I don't know if they want to not leave people out or they just think it makes for better TV when realistically not everyone's Neville and Carragher is probably the easy way around it. Like Thierry Henry isn't the same doing an Arsenal game as Carragher is doing a Liverpool one. No, no, exactly. In terms of what you could have had after that game yesterday, I think whether you're an Arsenal fan or a neutral, you'd probably rather have had Keane and whoever else in there than Tony Adams and uh, Ledley King. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Like even if Spurs had won, I don't think Ledley King 
he's going to be getting many Spurs fans out of their seat in terms of like hearing him talk about it. Like I sat down to listen to the stuff after whilst on the coaching. I was a bit disappointed that no one was really tearing into Spurs or giving Arsenal the props. I think uh, Graham Souness said, enjoy while it lasts. And look at them chanting Aubameyang's name. Fickle old game this, isn't it? Souness <laughs> <laughs> just, if that is, went in for Spurs on pretty much the entire thing. Saying the same thing over and over, but just kind of just kept going. It's like, Graham, we got hated, it. We got it. He hated Hoybier dropping in, didn't he? He was just livid at that. <laughs> He's found like his new favourite expression, man. He's just saying, uh, we don't need you holding our hand. You just stay <laughs> up there. Um, the other two games I had uh, uh, written down to mention, I only had the one question we done on the United game. Um, the big question that we'd had was who's going to take a penalty. Uh, Ollie, I don't know, maybe whether his hands are tied to not look like he was buckling down to Ronaldo, whether you saw the headlines uh, earlier in the week where he told Rio to shut up. Um, yeah. Bruno obviously takes it. This is the penalty. Easy to say now. Does anyone think Oli should have just taken that out of Bruno's hands the second Ronaldo came in? Because Bruno's think... record is better. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I think he's got like a 96 or 97%. Like, that's his second ever miss for United. Yeah, he's taken 45 pens. And he, no, 47 pens and scored 45, I think. It's just, it is what it is. All for United last year, crazy. <laughs> it does look, it looks a lot worse when you have got, it's one of those that goes in, we don't even talk about it. But, yeah, yeah. I, I found myself a bit of a man on island on this one, because everyone on Twitter seemed to be saying, why is Ronaldo not having it? I kind of felt like, one, the optics, it looks a bit weak, I think, if you've got a good penalty taker and you immediately give it to Ronaldo. But is the general rule not just that you're, you're the taker till you miss? Yeah. Not generally and I think by doing this obviously it's, it's not for their benefit because they've just dropped points but in the long run it maybe is and that you can now make the argument right Ronnie you're having them well, so your it's, it's an easier one what are your thoughts on Bruno's 18 page apology oh my god that was the uh, that is the, the cherry on the icing of the cake of this weird trend where we've got players yeah. coming Lingard out of the Lingard did it as well after the young Yeah, the Lingard one was ridiculous, but this was, like you said, it was like a dissertation. It was oh, just hideous. Absolutely United, hideous. It needs to stop. United put a post up today with a thread of all yeah, the Instagram comments of his teammates saying, we're here for you. And he said, all United. Um, and I understand the irony in me saying this after uh, <laughs> the Saka and uh, Sancho and... Uh, Rashford responses. Uh, I do think that was a bit different. No, those fact, are. I think those are entirely different because because they didn't even. I don't think any of them apologised. They even if you was, had missing a, apparently in a final or a yeah. game where it's a knockout game is a very different thing to a last minute one in a league. Game. And I saw Gary Neville speaking about this earlier. Where he said it, this is basically just like someone's commercial team, whatever, putting things out for them and trying to protect their PR, but in turn, it's actually a bad PR move. Uh, I, yeah. couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more. It's the classic, the classic thing of what looks like good PR. People see through it immediately. It's just, you're kind of being like a bit of a company man. So and it, it, it waters down when you do actually put out an apologetic post. And we said this, uh, segueing a little bit, but we used to say it a lot when Ozil and Co would do it for Arsenal, didn't we? Where they put in a shit performance. Yeah. And then put an apology to me. I was like, 
we're not interested in the apology. We want to see what you do next game. I remember Ben White um, did one, and it was like bad day uh, back at it uh, tomorrow. Thanks to all the fans after the Brentford one, and the quote tweet was like, "Get used to this, fellas. We do a lot of these here." <laughs> Mustafa used to do that um, back on top emoji at the end of each one, which was just horrific. I, I, I don't think I'll, I've ever seen a player miss a penalty for us, and there's been some bad ones. Um, I remember Arteta missing one in the last minute against Fulham, I believe it was, and being raging. But I don't ever remember thinking I'd feel better if he apologised. I don't remember thinking I felt he should apologise. It's well, it's literally part of the game. You're going to have people saying, oh, I'm sorry I missed that chance. I'm sorry I didn't make that tackle. It's just strange. Like We know when a player's done something stupid, whether whether it's a stupid foul, I think the one there was the Jacka one against Burnley, uh, where he put his head in, and the Pepe one against Leeds, and it was coming. I can see why you put the apology out there because you've let the fans down, you've let the team down just through stupidity, nothing to do with yeah. football. Yeah, when you miss a penalty, oh, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, you're not trying to miss. No, makes no it's sense. Strange, and then Liverpool Brentford TK. Is this one where you look at the stats, you look at the chances you've missed? And I think Klopp was um, quoted today, he said, we don't make these things bigger than they need to be. Is that how you look at that one? It's probably how he should and the club should as a fan. Well, obviously, the romantic answer is this shows how great our league is. It's a great back and forth game, mental. If I was a neutral, I probably really would have enjoyed it. It's probably slightly harder to as a fan. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great back and forth where you thought neither's too bothered about defending it. Um, I do think, though, from, from the team's point of view, that's two points dropped in a week where you really could have done with all three points. I think United, United and Chelsea dropping points. Exactly. And, and City looking good, so you want to keep pace with them when we've got them next week just before an international break. There's now more pressure on that game than there obviously would have been with two more points going in. And it's also, we also have this odd human psychological thing where the closer we get to the finish line if we have a slipper it seems like a massive thing so if we'd had this free or draw say March time everyone's going to be having a mouth of oh they've put a thrown two away, yeah. away two points what's going on well, it's the same game the same points are at stake just because it's September it's kind of like oh well there's enough games to make up for it so, well, this is quickly how uh, teams fall away is by drawing your game like this and Klopp's right to say not to read too much into it from the outside looking in. Yeah. This is exactly the type of game where title winning teams find a way to get a result and the contenders end up drawing it. And you, look you don't want to hammer him too much because he's going to get you more points than he costs you. But those two Salah chances are prime yeah. examples of he's kind of got to kill the game for us there. Well, West Ham and Leicester fumbled the Champions League, didn't they? And the first thing was you look back at the draws they'd had and the losses they'd had. I think West Ham lost to Everton and Newcastle in the last six weeks. But yeah. they also lost to Newcastle on the opening day. This is, this is exactly it. And if you look at under um, under Rafa, the year we come, we came second the once, it wasn't really, a, I said before, it's not really a title race so much as a title chase because we were never ahead of United. We were chasing them constantly. But there's a period in December, I think it was. So it's still pretty early in the season. I think we drew three or four in a row. And it was the likes of like Hull, Wigan or whatever at the time. Yeah. And, and that is, well, there's your points. That's where you should have, you should have done it and you couldn't. 
but instead we'll we'll only focus on this if it happens towards the back end of the season. And in the season where everyone's kind of going in acknowledging that Liverpool have got the, the smaller squad of the teams that are going to be yeah. up there, it's, I do think it's imperative that you don't want to be chasing because we don't have the option to sort of change it around a little bit if you do hit a dip in form. So yeah. I, I do think when we kind of stepped out from the, oh my God, isn't this a great advert for the Premier League and what a crazy game, I did think this does, on the, the bones of it, is at two drop points for Liverpool and a weekend they could have done without it. On the other hand now, do you think the fact that you've seen Chelsea drop points in the weekend, you've seen United drop points, does that make you more confident of a Liverpool potential title challenge by the fact that we've seen previous seasons, maybe where there's been less contenders, and you've looked yeah. and thought, I genuinely don't know where these teams are going to drop points, but we've already seen Southampton taking points off City, United dropping points against several others. Chelsea haven't dropped points against anyone that they shouldn't have, but it shows that all of these teams can be beaten. Yes, yeah, a fair point. Um, I, I said before that going into the season, I felt Obviously, if we can keep players fit, I think starting 11 wise, I think we're still, if not the best team, we're in the argument. I don't think we've got the best squad, but I think the best first 11, we're in, we're in contention. If you can keep that fit, we'll be there or thereabouts. I don't, and I said, I thought it was probably a bit disrespectful that United seemed to have kind of jumped ahead of us in the pecking order in terms of how people were talking about them. So, them dropping points at Villa, etc., doesn't surprise me too much. I think they're going to have games like that. Chelsea, I don't think are going to drop many points. I think, as you said, yeah. they, they've dropped points someone who should, and you would definitely bat them to bounce back from that. You, you don't expect them to have two performances like that in a row. And then City looked pretty ominous, though, in the way they did take Chelsea apart. So I do think those two, you're not going to have many weekends where those two do drop points like this. So this is kind of why I'm, I'm making the point, is that yeah. any weekend like this where one of them does, you probably have to fully capitalise on it. I think, like, as well, United, you would you would think this will happen with them, I think. I think they'll have odd weeks like this. I don't think you'll have many with Chelsea and City. But this is the thing, like, as a rival fan for the league, I would say that I feel a lot better about losing to City, knowing that they've already lost to Spurs, who are pretty much out of it, and then obviously United and losing and you dropping. Yeah. So, a mentality thing as well, like, for... Opposition squads, Chelsea think right, that was a let off. Let's go again, kind of thing, and kind of reset. Whereas it kind of lays down a marker. If you go, what, what would you have been four points clear then, or something like that? Three points clear, I think. Three points, right? Yeah, and and that's the. I, I always felt that was the thing with the year we did win the league was City were going with us for a bit at that start of that season, and I think where they they there was a couple of weeks where they would drop points, and we just kept steamrolling it and kept going. And I think at that point you do just look across and just get demoralised. I think a team, I don't say that, don't think they quit, but they get, oh, we can't do anything. This team just keeps winning, and we don't like have one against Villa was the one where people like Jesus, are they ever going to lose? Yeah, I think um, it's it's kind of almost like in a, in a boxing sense. You'd watch the other guy who just keeps coming and coming. And you think I, yeah. I don't have anything left to give. In the flip side, I think that was kind of us last year when we because it gets forgotten about we started the year we dropped some points and people are like oh, it's alright they'll they'll make it up and eventually it kind of oh no we're not we, we keep dropping no. these points and City keep going and I think we we flipped it what what happened with City the year before happened with us where you don't yeah. quit but you you acknowledge okay we're, we're not going to be able to keep pace with these 
I'm a fan of his anyway, but in terms of a goal threat from midfield, which is hard to say Henderson doesn't have when he scored that peach uh, uh, a couple of weeks before, having Curtis Jones in the side coming from deep just seems to add so much more in the fact that anywhere outside the area, if he's not scoring, that he's going close. And I think on the days where Salah might have a rough one, Mane might have a rough one, Jota or Firmino aren't scoring. Just that extra bit of goal threat that you're not going to get from, say, Thiago, Henderson maybe. I think that could really help you this season. It definitely adds something, doesn't it? I I thought it was a a big blunder on Klopp's part to take him off when he did, actually. Um, Certainly, and if you are going to take him off, certainly not to put on another midfielder. You put on Firmino. So essentially, you've got your four attacking players on. I thought in, in a game that was... Um, sort of dangerously open for us where we should have been a little bit more concerned and closed off a bit I think then having just two in midfield I thought really really exposed that we didn't look after the ball as well once Firmino came on and we ended up just in it carrying on what was a back and forth battle with them which is only you're giving it's, again I'm born a boxing term here but you're kind of you've got you're the superior guy with the superior skills but you're going toe to toe with someone and giving them a chance yeah. to, to clean you out which Brentford nearly did you know that Tony one that gets given offside they could have ended yeah. up winning it. Commentator was gutted. Yeah, that was his big moment. He was, yeah. <laughs> Tony, oh, he's, he's going to go big. But too you, often, uh, when they have those two, so I said um, when they played you, that Brentford are just going to give everyone a rough 90 minutes. It's going to be tough. I didn't you, feel it's going to lose. Our loss after seeing that. You, you're going to, you're going to, they're going to lose some games, but you're never going to have an easy one against them. And those two, you never want to leave your defence exposed with those two up against them and we did it far too often yeah you were um, celebrating Harvey Elliott's injury just because you said Curtis Jones would play more games this season the the, the lengths we go to to be just be proven right yeah the pod always anyway. wins never forget that <laughs> um, I think that just about does for football we've got Rory ready to uh, come on in to get into the football um, Alex I do think we've done the North London derby disservice by not quite talking about it enough. So if you want to do another one, maybe Thursday night, and we can go over it again, oh, do a rewatch spot. maybe, then uh, just let me know. Can I drink during it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll help your triathlon performance, but... Uh, I'm not free. looking for triathlon performance. I'm looking for surviving an evening with you while you're watching the game. <laughs> that would be quite something. <laughs> anyway... I will say adios to those two and uh, we'll say bonjour to Rory as I uh, add him in there. See you, boys. Uh, have you got adios. a movie question? Uh, I don't think you've seen them. Uh, we're doing 30 minutes or less up against the Hitman's Bodyguard. Oh, no. No, yeah, no, I haven't. All right. Cheers, anyway. Ciao. Cheers, gents. Hopefully, we should have Rory joining. Any second, waiting to see his name pop up. Christy sent me a picture of the food he's eating. What, Rory? Yeah, some big fuck off kebab. Uh, he said he hasn't got the call, for God's sake. My brother tried ringing me if I went silent. Um, do you have the little option to. Ah, he says he's got it now. He's joining. Jeez, Louise. Says one sec. This is what he did to me for the Vicente Luque interview. Can't be trusted that Rosaford. He's never joined on. More onions than kebab meat in this kebab he's got. Do you prefer a white onion or a red onion? That's all on context, that. A red onion yeah. for the right occasion. 
they used to do um like baguettes at crypts that they used to be really nice the fillings there and they used i used to get uh chicken mayo and bacon with uh, red onion i'll be stinking after but it's so nice we can see you there ross you can go on just audio there we go we've uh after can you hear us yeah i can hear you do you say you yeah. can't see me or you can't see me no we could but we don't need to in the nicest way possible <clears throat> no that's <no, stop. laughs> um we were just uh, talking about your kebab there. I was asking uh, TK his favourite type of onion, uh, white or red. I'm not fussy, but I prefer a white. <laughs> That's quite a quote. That context. <laughs> <laughs> I should, yeah, I should caveat that in the form of onion. You got more onion that sounds, than kebab meat. Sounds horrid as a, an isolated audio clip. That TK, Keenan said worse. You've got more onion than kebab meat in there. You must be. Yeah, I do like. I do like a bit of onion. Working from home tomorrow. Ah, that's all right then. Um, nothing worse. I think I don't know if I've said this on the air. My thumbs uh, chap last week went downstairs and he's uh, having beans on toast and he's put uh, tinned mackerel on top of it. Jesus Christ! I've, yeah, I wish you hadn't brought that back up. I felt sick <laughs> thinking about. I had I had chippy after, and it genuinely put me off what I was eating when I remembered it. <laughs> Did you ask him as the why? Why you No, it, I I feel like that's one of them. There's no answer that's going to change your mind. So, ever important question: What type of beans were they, and was it white or brown bread? Um, I think they have that a uh, bit of both bread. Um, and the, oh, and he likes Christ. the uh, he likes Branston's baked beans. <laughs> it's getting worse by the minute. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> well, although we know what you're like with beans on toast, there, Ros. What's that? Have the beans separate to the toast? Oh, <laughs> everyone's heard about that. Not with not with beans or have you know TK. That's only with spaghetti and sausages and ravioli. Okay, keep on still. <laughs> Right. It's the carb on carb that you you got to appreciate is the issue. <laughs> like there, when I've put my chips in my pitta on the kebab, that's a carb on carb we can all respect. <laughs> all right, let's get into the fighting that we had this weekend. Should we start with the boxing and then go on to the UFC? Good by me. <laughs> all right, so Anthony Joshua lost his uh, world titles at the weekend to Alexander Usyk. Um, we just get the scorecards. Uh, I think one was 115, 113, uh, 117 to 111. I think 116, 112. 116, 112, yeah. yeah. Um, was it not 117, 112, Byron? I only yeah, mentioned it was, that because I'm yeah, sure one of the judges scored a bloody 10-10, which infuriated yes. me when I read yeah. it. Was it maybe like the 8th, 7th, 8th round was a 10-10, something like that? Well, his, yeah, his school card was pretty good other than that, looking at it this. But mm. yeah, that 10-10 that thrown in, I was like, why do they do this? <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing that really got me today is uh, I saw Howard Foster getting some stick, um, saying this bloke should never be allowed to judge a fight again. He had AJ up after six rounds. I look at my scorecard, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I must have also. I think I had AJF after six because I. Uh, I so we're doing we're doing ourselves no no. No, I've, I've uh, come under some fire for for scoring it a draw. Blimey! <laughs> oh Jesus! Six all. 
Rory was on the source at the time. Uh, My word. Well, it's, I think it's always difficult. You watch it. So I will, I will, you know, present this for people. I was at Centre Parks this weekend, which for anybody other than the UK or apparently Holland, uh, won't know probably what Centre Parks is. <laughs> they had a sports bar there. And it's just the typical, you're like, you're trying to watch it, but there's like people walking in front of the screen. And yeah, it was the most pro AJ crowd I've ever been involved in. But, you know, when you're in Milton Keynes, you're not that far from London, I suppose, and Watford. So everyone probably calls him, oh, he's one of our own. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I actually actively cheered when it landed a few shots and I thought I was going to get a pull cue around the back of the head. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, I mean, it, the way it started out, um, Joshua almost ran to the centre of the ring and tried to take that. And I think within about 25 seconds, he'd been pushed back, which really set the tone for the fight. Um, without doing a whole round by round here, I think a lot's been made of what Joshua didn't do and what he should have done. I actually thought Joshua fought a great fight. Just basic for a better one, and outlast. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a weird one. I don't know. I I don't know if I'm kind of scoring it how I imagined the judges would score it. If that makes sense, you know, you're almost like. I think there's well, an inclination to do that. That was Joshua. a close round that I probably thought was it won, but I'm going to give it to Joshua because mm. I will feel disappointed when the judges will. I don't know. Looking back, I thought. It's almost hard for Joshua, you know. He's brilliant against people that are flat-footed, isn't he? You know, he just comes out and absolutely rips them apart. But you see him against Parker, and that's probably the only other person really at a heavyweight level that he's fought has been that's really mobile. That's you know, Parker's not the best. I think we've we've now realised that. But I don't know, Uzik. I thought he fought a brilliant fight. I I hate the headline I've been reading that his coach apparently told him not to knock Joshua out. Yeah, he what said he actually said afterwards. was, "Don't go after him. Make sure you're winning the rounds." Not yeah. this. Oh, he told me not to knock him out. So it's just a wild statement. But no, uh, otherwise, it for a brilliant fight. I don't know if maybe did he? Is it more tricky because he's a southpaw? Is it more tricky for one reason or another? The under the underlying factor is he's just a better technical box than probably anyone else he's ever fought. I did. Well, after 10 rounds TK we were watching it together I don't know how you were scoring actually if you thought it was close going towards the end because some added that after about 8 rounds as long as he was 16 on his feet then he'd won whereas obviously mine Usyk won the last 2 rounds to win the fight yeah for me I thought the clearest I thought Usyk won 9, 10, 11 and 12 Um, I thought you are right to say, I thought it was a really high-level fight where the guy who was just a bit better, Usyk, pulled away with it, I felt. I thought at the, at the halfway mark, I would have, I wasn't like scoring it properly. I would have had in my mind even 4-2 Usyk, or I could have seen an argument for three. I thought there were some close rounds in there. But the, I thought the, the key junction of the fight, I thought Joshua won the fifth and then won the sixth. And it looked like... Usyk, be it because of the extra weight or having to do yeah, the work he was doing, I thought he might be slowing down a bit and this is where the bigger guy is going to press on. And then he comes out, Usyk comes out and wins the seventh. I think that's probably the most important round of the fight. Well, I think that probably breaks Joshua's heart a little bit. Even though Joshua, I think, wins the eighth, I think that told him that, okay, Usyk's still in this and he probably thought, I'm going to step on him now. 
And I think the only mistake potentially for Joshua is I think that's where what people are saying now, which is always a little bit lazy with the Joshua analysis, I think. But I think that's where what they're saying comes into play, where he should have used his physicality, physicality a little bit more, where he probably should have sensed that this was getting away from him. And the way to do this is going to have to be to try and use your size advantage a little bit more that he was sacrificing at that stage. I don't but think I it was quite, as you said, I don't think it was how horrific as people are making out. I think at the halfway stage, this was okay. But I think that's why it started to run away a little bit. I, I think never thought like that either. No, agreed. And, and we spoke about that going in, didn't we? That people seem, some people seem to think he's either going to steamroll him early or, or bully him. Doesn't tend to be what he does. Doesn't lean on people. Doesn't push people around. So, to that extent, someone like Chisora is probably going to do that to you more. And we've seen Usyk come through that. I thought it was some really lazy analysis when there's people saying, oh, I think when, when Usyk was slowing down sort of at the midway point, Joshua never really tried to unload his bigger shots. Well, I think that's just so lazy because there was never a point where Usyk was pinned Eight. against the ropes. No, no. Not always circling away from the big right. He was, was always like doing moment, the fundamental there? things right, despite being looking mm. like he was t- more tired. There was one round where he, he backed up Usyk, where he caught him with a nice shot, I think. Um, and Joshua kind of swaggered back to his corner after that round. And yes. Usyk won the next round, which may be the stage you're referring to, TK. I think, I think that is. With yeah. where the rounds are. Yeah, I think that's it. Because there was at least one round there where I did think, hang on a minute, Joshua, because Joshua had come through a tricky patch before that. Yeah, I think um, at that place he's thinking, one, I can hurt him, and two, at least I'm getting a gauge of sort of the distance and starting to time it a little bit more now to, to what Rory's point was just there that this idea that people always do is, oh just land the big shot well he's trying to do that it's not he's not yeah, trying yeah. to yeah. I think he probably thought he's screaming. building towards this. yeah Mac has done this before isn't he where it's basically oh just come forward and swing we need a bit more than that actually Matt he kept saying just plant your feet and it's like well against a guy like Usyk that's, he's just going to move around him and batter him <laughs> I think one of the worst things I, I saw was um the, the shot of Uzik after, and he's he's visibly marked under both eyes, right? And, and somebody's commented saying, God, you know, Seaman Joshua didn't land any punches. Hasn't Uzik awfully got a lot of damage? And somebody's just replied, yes, it's a 16, 17 stone man hitting him. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a jab or a massive shot. It, he's going to be marked. Not a masterclass because he looks like that as well. And I think I think you said to you when I asked, when I spoke to you about it after TK, that you do almost need the other person to be putting in that level of performance to have a masterclass because otherwise it's just you going yeah. through the motions or you don't get if a he, chance to show it. If Usyk does this against the run of the mill, you say, well, look, that's great for Usyk, but we probably can't call it a masterclass because the guy's out of his league. The fact that I thought Joshua is good and is and put in a, a decent performance, it isn't the, the, the shit show that some people are suggesting he put in. It, that's the other thing going in. If, if you say as has been built up, this is a 50-50 fight and a tricky one for Joshua. How can we then be surprised when Usyk does get the win? It was it was the end. Joshua was the favourite going in, but it wasn't like we were going in thinking that Usyk had no chance in this. I, I'm, I'm never quite sure what the level of surprise when this happens. Joshua was more competitive than Chisora was, and yet Usyk was criticised for the Chisora one. Well, a lot of people... Rightly- Praise for the AJ. A lot of people will disagree with you there. A lot of people seem to think that Chisora was really close, which I, I don't quite see. No. And that and that Joshua actually was had no hope in there, which I, I didn't. Again, yeah, I didn't read. I didn't read either fight quite like that. Joshua, but at the same time, consensus. you know, 
I know fighting maths isn't isn't right, but but by the same token, you'd expect Joshua to watch us all yeah. around. So it's Josh, it's an unfair. It's an unfair different levels of comparison sure. to make Ganaway, isn't it? It's like it's a, it's a they're, they're chalk and cheese. Those two fighters, aren't they? They're not. Joshua had intelligent work in there. He he, <laughs> he he switched his style at midway through. He's reacting to the body shots. He tried firing in some body shots for his own. It just so happens that he's against a guy who's more intelligent than he is, and he wasn't able to make his size pay in the way he was. I think before people were saying that Joshua was chinny. And at the same time, they're saying that Usyk doesn't can't punch hard. And I think mm-hmm. you find that probably neither of those are true. Um, Joshua has a better chin than he's given credit for, and Usyk hits harder than probably AJ and any other heavyweight he gets in there with is expecting, because the accuracy is what's going to hurt as much. Yeah, as, that's it. Yeah, the sharpness and the accuracy of them. He, he so, seemed at one point during the fight that that straight left just couldn't miss. Yeah, he seemed to land yeah. every time he threw it whether it be off the back of a jab, off the back of a cuffing hook, or just a straight left, similar to how you know Mayweather used to throw a straight right, just as, as a sort of a one shot. It just seemed to hit everything he did with it. It just seemed to hit. He um, tied that straight to the body right from the start as well, didn't he? Usyk? Mm. And then obviously by the end of it, when Josh was taking a bit of a pound in the last couple of rounds, and he's just knackered, um, clearly <laughs> the body work paid off. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe for... A lot of commentary you see online, particularly on in the world of social media, and Twitter's an awful place to read anything, you know, before before or after a fight. But I think a lot of people forget that, that Uzik has been all bit slightly different at Cruiserweight. He has been in positions before where it was always oh, the technical boxer against the massive puncher, similar to the, the Gassiev fight where yeah. he was coming in and the guy was like, God, he's fighting a bloke who just takes everyone out at, for the level. But again, he... He found a way to win. He he outpointed him easily for twelve rounds in that occasion. It's a guy that knows how to make a game plan for a guy that's yeah, you know a fear and puncher. Um, and it's, it's amazing good. to think he's not actually had twenty professional fights. The the stuff after the I don't think I've ever now seen a more fickle fan base than AJ has because. No, no. When same. he was winning, the amount you would see every pay-per-view, AJ's, AJ's the man, AJ this, AJ that, he lost. And there's there's people I know um, that were massive AJ fans would be wearing his snapbacks a lot. I saw him <laughs> putting up stories saying, fuck AJ on Saturday. Um, and I didn't uh, like him before and I still don't like him. Glad to see him lose and stuff like this. I mean, not to sound like we're talking about football teams, but like, me and TK, Groves fans, we support, supported him when he's lost to uh, Badu Jack and also <laughs> then have the joy of seeing him win against Chudinov in Eubank. It's pretty boring to just, because suddenly it's not going your way here. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the, uh, I'm, I was going to, I was thinking I might do an article on this, but it's kind of the issue with uh, when you cultivate a fan base that is basically, I'm just going to tune in to watch this. I'm never going to watch boxing any other time. Mm-hmm. Once that guy starts losing, what reason have they got to carry on it? They don't have an investment in it. It's well, I like this guy as long as he's winning. Once he stops winning, I have no reason to carry on with this yeah. guy. Yeah. Is, is, the, is the unfortunate thing, but it does also mean he's making an absolute fortune every time. Yeah, Harper messaged me Sunday and said, like, I'm a boxing novice. You'll have to explain to me, like, is AJ finished now or... Are we still going to see him in these, in these fights? Or, or should like, I still pay £25 next time we fight? 
28 quid, Rory. Blimey. Sorry, sorry. Uh, mine, yeah. was, mine was... Uh, uh, at yeah. a venue where I didn't have to pay, I'd already yeah. paid through the nose. Yeah, the, the right idea. The, I, the I, I, yeah, yeah. Are people still going to pay to see him? And I said, well, first of all, the fact there's such a lack of heavyweights means he's never going to be too far away from a big fight. Mm. Also, people still want to see him against these guys, so it's going to sell easily enough. And when you've got a fan base this big, people really need to know that you're done because they can sell the possibility of you being done and that's the storyline in itself mm. I think mm. we'll hear Hearn say last chance saloon when this rematch happens and then if it doesn't happen then he'll fall back and he'll be able to fight Dylan White, he'll be able to fight probably still Tyson Fury, Chisora all of these guys, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if we still see the David Price fight at some point <laughs> I mean, now there is a man who's had more last chance to lose yeah. than just about anyone. I still anyone. saw it getting brought up this Don't week. Don't forget that sparring yeah. session. Exactly, yeah. that's what I saw being spoken about. Yeah. So, I, I never yeah. quite got it with boxers when they lose and people seem angry with them for losing. I never quite got that. He's like, well, it, he obviously he wanted to win, he just wasn't able yeah. to. It's not like he didn't try. Yeah. I never got yes, the, yeah. the anger that someone didn't win. It's not like he's uh, started celebrating with his hands up and then been chinned and KO'd. Yeah, like I never got it with like, idiot. you know, like, when like Khan got cleaned out and people were like angry with him. It's like, well, he yeah. probably didn't want to get chinned. <laughs> he probably didn't want this to happen. I saw AJ being called a bad loser for being transported to hospital after the fight. <laughs> and Jesus. not sticking around for the interviews. Oh, come on. So I thought he was in a quite a bad way, actually, at the end of the he day. Did. They, they, they were underplaying it. That yeah. blinking in the corner and stuff. I mean, you know, well, he barely was... had his eyes open for for long yeah. periods of time directly after the fight. Like to the point mm. I was thinking, is there an issue with like an orbital or something? But yeah, he just yeah. didn't yeah. open yeah. his left eye. I think it was his left eye. Just really weary walking, walking around. Yeah, really weary. Straight to it as well. Um, he loves a damaged eye socket and his cards. Um, <laughs> Who's that? Eddie and the Cowboys. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I thought you meant me. Then I was going to say yeah, Joe. I mean, if, if we go on to the UFC then, so a card that truly did deliver um, and if there was a card we were going to have to stay up for till half six in the morning, I mean, this is the type of card that you hope it's going to be. Um, right from the first fights of the night, you had the Matthew Semmelsberg uh, icing of uh, Martin Sano Jr. 11 seconds in TK, just as we uh, tuned in, actually. Um yeah, had a close one with Maximov and uh, Brundage with the storyline of Maximov being a Diaz guy. Diaz was out um, in his corner. Jalen Turner then, in a battle of the prospects, goes right through uh, Uros Medic um, in my uh, dog pick Rory <laughs> that I uh, had in my acca. Yes. Uh, unfortunately for Rory, um, Talia Santos did defeat his girl, um, Roxanne Monteferi. You annoy me every time you say this. I hate. I absolutely hate her. Anybody uh, with a happy warrior should just retire. <laughs> it breaks me every time. There's worse nicknames than that. I mean, we've got the Cookie Monster for God's sake. Yeah, well, I won't have any disrespect towards Carlo Esparza. She's been champion. She has. Um, Chris Dorcas against uh, Shamil Abdurakimov. Uh, I don't know how much of the commentary you're able to hear, Rory. I don't know if you um, or not. I heard none of the Joshua, but I had my headphones in for all of the UFC. Okay. 
to the point in the Dorcas commentary where John Anik mentioned that he has aspirations of being champion and DC yes, went, and what? Was like laughing. What? Yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> and then I had to apologise. No, it wasn't just oh. being champion, it's been the best of all time. Yeah, he said champion and then the, the best, but you took just as much uh, against him being champ. Um, <laughs> Dan Hooker yeah. um, and Nazareth Hackbrest uh, put it on a show um, for two rounds, really. Third round uh, went to the takedowns, but after both making weight uh, less than 24 hours after flying in. So uh, big respect there. One of the rounds of the year, probably round of the year, in a year when we've had the likes of Hooker against Poirier, um, Morab Dwalish really against Marlon Morais. Insane. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, I think Poirier v. Hooker was last year. Byron, but we're, we're late. It? Yeah, it was about June last yeah. year, I reckon. Yeah, it was actually because it, <laughs> it won fight of the year in the spitballing pod end of the year awards. Um, but I'll let you <laughs> off. But no, the that was just insane. I was on um, Merab for, for my actor. Yeah. And, and, you know, texting you boys before saying, do we think he wins? <laughs> and everyone going, yeah, it'll be fine. And uh, yeah, 30 seconds in, I was. Uh, it's just, it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Marlon Moraes, that is, that is a Marlon Moraes fight if ever you've seen one. Yeah. Just, you know, he, he, seen, he is the best one-minute fighter probably of the division. Um, you know, but before she fights that fought over a minute. He's got a win I, over the champ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was just mental. Like you, you rarely see a guy. It's different if they survive. It's totally different if they survive, bell goes, whatever happens. But for a guy to actually be thinking at the end of the round, you're like, Christ, he's absolutely pounding him now. It was, it was like mental. It was absolutely one, mental. Where Fury goes down, gets up, and then if you didn't have the 10-8, then he probably wins the round by the high yeah. dominance he is towards the end of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it was an absolutely mental round. Um, but by the, end of the fir- by the end of the first, you kind of know the fight's over, but not yeah. in the way you're expecting. The if if you are feeling like rough in the corner, Sarah Longo is going to be the team you want there, amping you yeah. up. They're yeah. screaming at him, now we break him. Right, if you're <laughs> yeah. right in the other corner, you're thinking, come on, please. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they were saying on commentary quite a lot, weren't they? You know, his gas tank gets talked about. It's a legendary gas tank. It wasn't the only guy we heard about that. We heard yeah. that on Volk later on. But, um, you know, and really you did see it. Because you've got to be in ridiculous shape to take those shots and still be, you know, going all yeah. and blazing through the rest of the first, the second and the third for as long as it lasted. Because, I mean, I don't know what the official shot tally was, but that second round, it, it seemed like he was hitting yeah. him so Felt often. Like and it was... it Jan was Aldo. They were mental shots as well because he was almost... He was in guard, but he was throwing his whole weight up and down. Yeah. And that's not easy to do in itself. This is the um, man that dived headfirst into a frozen puddle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Though, it's brilliant. And that's probably going to help him get fights now because people are going to think that they can clean him out because they're going to look at the fact that he got caught by Marais and think that yeah. they can do it. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's one, you know, it's always going to go on his highlight reel. Anyone that's sat down to watch that card. They're going to go, Christ, I can't wait for the next time he's in there. Yeah, and yes. Well. Su- and he's suffered a loss to my man, Ricky Simone. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Where he yeah. choked him out as the final bell sounded and they rolled him to the out because he didn't get up afterwards. 
um, after winning. Friend of the pod. Yep. Um, main card. Uh, my girl against Rory's girl in actuality this time. Uh, Jessica Andrade, the female John Lineker, against Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah, I did back Calvillo uh, caught Calvillo her a few times France. early, and I actually went to back Calvillo to knock her out at one point. Seconds later, she was getting slumped. <laughs> yeah, she, was she, she wasn't terrible. reacting badly to the early punches, was she? And she was throwing them back herself. Me and TK were remarking the fact like. She's she's not being troubled by these. She's being caught, but she's taking them better than most do. Yeah, I think um, it was it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? It looked like Calvio certainly didn't have any pop to really pin Andrade back, which was was more no. worrying. But you know, when you see what she did when Joanna Janjajek was absolutely destroying um, yeah. Andrade, you, you realise that probably Cynthia was never really going to be able to. Keep, no. her, keep her back going back or go back at all. Then you are, that's pretty, pretty much where on George yeah. is, though, isn't it? Is that yeah. if, you're, if you're not on a certain level, she'll clean you out. But if you're skillful <laughs> yeah. enough or powerful enough, you're going to be too good for her. She's just that. She wins the trilogy game, against Rose, doesn't she? We hope so. I still think she won the second one. That's pretty <laughs> well, Rose. <laughs> um, you think she. She only won that first one because she managed to pick her up and jump, drop on her <laughs> head. If you forget about the fact yeah. that she did that, as everyone on the internet seemed to tell you. Yeah, I watched that fire watch together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was on Entourage, and after a round, I was like, this is over. Curtis Blades against Jarzinho. Um, Curtis Blades looks every bit like a man that can strike and can wrestle, but can't piece them together. Like his entry to his takedowns looks like it's getting harder and harder, and it's maybe because he's fighting guys who've been hit harder and harder. Maybe I mean that uppercut from hell from Derek Lewis is gonna make me <laughs> hesitant to fire a takedown. I know. Mm. Yeah, that fight still. If if you made Curtis Blades Derek Lewis tomorrow, I'd be just as confident that Curtis Blades wins as I was the first time around. Like Derek Lewis should have no right to win that fight. Yeah, it is a weird one in the sense that, you know, Curtis Blades has only lost twice and it's to Francis and Derek. Yeah. The two of the biggest punches. Two in horrible ever. losses. Yeah, twice two. two okay. Yeah, the first one. He was one, the favourite yeah. second time around as well. It was in China, the fight. Yeah, that was odd, wasn't it? And he was like, was it, that was that the one where like, on the the behind him hitting him. It was, it was yeah, like he got, yeah, he got clipped on the top of the head. Yeah. Um, and then went down and then protested it after. And it was like, mate, you can't protest this. And then but, that was the first one where his eye looked like it was from like here to China. That was that was his first one. That was his UFC yeah. debut against Francis. Excellent. Well, um, that was yeah. somewhere weird as well. Was that not in like... It, it was so long ago, I can tell you, I was coming back from a night out when it was on. And I was watching, <laughs> it, in, and I was watching it in the taxi. Um, it, was was, sure it was around was Christmas time. Like, I want to say that was not in Russia, but somewhere like. No, it was it was definitely uh, on American time because I was coming back from a night out. There you um, go. Looking now, it was in Croatia. Oh, maybe I, I, must I knew it was somewhere, time, somewhere unusual. Yeah, definitely. But the first, the final three fights were JDS v Ben Rothwell, Derek Lewis v Gonzaga, <laughs> and Ungarnu v Blades. Christ, it was just a heavyweight marathon. We had Timothy Johnson yeah. beat Deborah as well. <laughs> I don't know 
Curtis Blades like, over there. Curtis Blades, Dana hates him, um, which isn't ideal. Because I remember before he fought Volkov, he said that he wasn't giving enough respect. And then he won all five rounds, but it was as knackered as you ever seen anyone <laughs> by the end of it. And Dana said, uh, you, you want more respect. You don't get it by winning like that. She was a bit harsh. Dana doesn't like, doesn't like to be told what to do, does he? Uh, I suppose you've got the problem that, with all due respect, he's not brilliant on the microphone. So that's not no. his fault. And he's not the most exciting to watch. No, but yeah. he's being quite open about that. He said, I, I'm telling you before, I'm not going to be exciting. Like, I, I don't know how much more honest I can be. Yeah, but that's that's not a good thing, is it? Yeah, you can't then be like sort of like wanting people to get hyped when you're going. The, by the way, I, I'm I, not I much don't fun think to watch. He says yeah, exactly, yeah. that he, he doesn't think enough respect is given to his skill. I don't think he claims to be entertaining. Although yeah, the, uh, the fact that he always has the chance of being cleaned out means he, he can be entertaining. He's trying to. He's trying to become more entertaining. I do well, feel he knocked like out JDS on the feet. Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like he's trying to manoeuvre into that, but he's probably yeah. going to always come up a bit short on that one. Who does he Lord fight next, though? That's the story. problem. Yeah, that is that is the other thing, isn't it? What uh, do you do with it? Probably Stipe is probably who he gets. Not Chris Dorcas gets Stipe. No. I mean, you might do Chris <laughs> plays against Chris Dorcas. Um, I don't think Kurt's yeah, happy about that. But that would be decent. He can, uh, he can smash up. Tom Aspinall, if they want to give him an up and cover. Wow. You'll have some respect for, for yeah. yeah. Hey, the real aspect that plays friend of the pod. Um, <laughs> the people's main event, then we have Robbie Lawler against Nick <laughs> Diaz. Probably about as good of a fight as we could have hoped for, would you not say? Uh, I was I was immediately disappointed when I saw Nick Diaz take his t shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought this is not going to be good because I just thought he just didn't look I don't know I just it was far better than I was expecting after I'd seen that put it like that it was, it was fun it was miles better than I expected in terms of I thought this could go this horrible was, it was great fun it was exactly as good as it could have been it was almost like they were um remember those weird WWE matches where they were like tied together with that ball rope <laughs> well, JB Allen and Eddie Guerrero like had that weird match. Yeah, it was like that. Like they just could never get that far apart. Like, you know, fight, fighting the phone booth type stuff. But I don't know. I I, I just struggled to see where Nick Diaz go. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean. A part of me was just sad watching it. Yeah, I get that. But sometimes a fight like that, it's nice to have one where literally there, there's no real repercussions from it. Like. Lawler isn't winning a title again, regardless of, of, of yeah. how he looked. Nick Diaz is 38 years old. Probably it's better for him that he didn't win, to be fair. Um, it, it was just one where you can just enjoy it for what it is, like watching yeah. a teen comedy. You can, you can feel comfortable enough with their both veterans as well. If they, you know, when they, you know, they talked about feeding Nick to like Chimaev or something, you'd be like, well, that's not, yeah. you don't really need to be doing that. Put two vets in with each other, you can accept it. That first, like, five, ten seconds, it looked like it was going to be these stories about Nick conspiring and how he looked when yeah. he was doing the uh, cut with throwing the hands or whatever. He looked like he was just going to be totally shot to bits and Robbie was just going to clean him out. And at that stage, 
ruined and right. This would have just been sad to see. You know, this is. Just I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's impacted by the. Um, oh, Brett. Brett. Um, what's his name? Brett. Brett um, yeah, that interview mm. where Diaz basically is only saying that was money, sad. Need some money. And then I was just like, I was watching the fight as well, and when he when he didn't look in shape, and I was like, I just. Somebody just help this man out. Do you know what it I mean? Just like how, like... He is 38. Yeah, I get that. I get that, Luke. But at the same time, he's like... You see the photos that we've been like fed publicity-wise, and he looks like he's yeah. in tremendous he's clearly, shape. He's, he's touching some of those up, isn't he? For sure. But, yeah. Those photos, yeah. because he, he wasn't like that when he was uh, when he was younger, let alone that. Like yeah, that, that's, of... that is true, to be fair to you. He's fighting higher than he would usually be fighting at. Obviously. Yeah, but again, that that's a that's a worrying sign that the week of the fight is like, can we have fifteen pounds to this fight? Besides, I don't want to cut weight. Actually, I, I think as as we've said previously, the, the Diaz brothers do what the Diaz brothers want in a, in a time when the UFC has a faltering Conor McGregor. They don't have that many stars that move the mm. needle, and the Diaz I mean, brothers I, do. So I, I'm amazed that they keep letting them just do these stupid five round fights. <laughs> well, the, the thing is one I think they probably banked on it wasn't going to go five rounds um, I think if Nick Diaz wants to come back you essentially gave you gave him what he wanted mm. um, and also I think probably they would have had it as a pay-per-view headliner I wouldn't have ruled that out I think essentially what happened is Volkanovski isn't a draw I mean they've never had him top a pay-per-view before Mm-hmm. This was originally going to be Amanda Nunes on the card, um, other than Shevchenko, and you give him what he wants to sell those fights. Yeah, it, it made sense. I, I think it was great fun for three rounds. I think I res- it's tough after everything I said about Billy Joe Saunders to then come on here and praise Nick Diaz for quitting. Although <laughs> I do think they're entirely different because one Nick quite. He didn't shy away from the fact he quit. He didn't try and blame an injury, which others have done. I think he just realised, or he, he doesn't have the fight in him. He said before, essentially, he was the like one that chose this fight. He didn't choose to fight. He sounds like someone else agreed, and then he found himself in the middle of it. Yeah, it is. Like I say, it was just quite... An element of me was quite sad watching it, thinking, you know, this guy was... 30 and was having his final few fights now I'd be like well that's fine like he's got he's going to get some nice paydays but he's not unfortunately he was 10 years too soon do you know what I mean he's yeah. like yeah. Yeah. they gave him what four year ban for smoking weed yeah uh, yeah. It, I, I don't know there was just a part of me that was just like it was a great fight, but there was an element of sadness watching it. That... I had the uh, I had that feeling your own was going into it because of uh, that because of that interview and because yeah, agreed, he, yeah. he shouldn't have, shouldn't really be there. And then once he got going, you did kind of think this is kind yeah. of this shows just how like um, how instinctive it is fighting and stuff is to him. Because when he was letting some of those like combos go, you're like, oh my god, those <laughs> like, body shots, the hands the body, yeah. great. He looked like he actually had some speed. He kind of almost like he warmed into it because yeah. he looked like his hands were getting fast as he was going and. Instinctively, he does does some great things. Like you said, he obviously he eventually he basically quit in the end because he didn't have enough yeah. gas in the tank with the extra weight or whatever it was. I, I I don't know. The only then bit of sadness I did think I thought in the post fight interview, I thought they were kind of saying it's good to have you back 
and kind of like he was going to be on some long run. And I thought his face kind of said, well, look, this, I yeah. might not be back actually. And again, like he's being forced into this a little bit mm. where, mm. well, look, we all like watching you. So you've got to do this where you don't know how much you really more he wants to do. Oh. In an ideal I, world, I think you'd see Robbie Lawler retire after this, for example. Mm. I think this it would be a good nice way for him to go get out. A moment. But, it was nice yeah. to see him get a moment. But you know, he'll carry on as well. And that'll be sad as well. So. At the same yeah. time, is it like... Uh, is Nick only now as popular because of Nate? No, I, I think the Diaz name not, holds clout. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I, I was probably too... I wouldn't say too young. I just didn't really care enough about the business element of fighting when Nick Diaz last fought. I think you can certainly say that Nate has kept... Nick's relevance in this absence, I think it keeps yeah. him in the well, in the public eye, and a demand for him to come back has remained as a result of Nate doing what he's done. I've, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen a Nick Diaz fight um, live before he fought Anderson Silva, and Close. yet the and, and yet the Nick Diaz name still held clout for me. Mm. And yeah. I imagine, I mean. TK, you go into it a little after me, and even still, the Nick Diaz name holds quiet for you, and that's not just because of Nate, it's still because Nick Diaz is Nick Diaz. You yeah. still see posts about him, whether he's fighting or not, his name's still in the headlines, regardless of what he's doing. He, he's a Diaz, essentially. Like, it it, it's true. Power. But in a way that Nate was a bit of a name, but then when he fights Connor, he goes on to become, it comes yeah. another level. I think with that, he does carry Nick with him. So if he, if he has a big profile anyway, I think he's only been boosted by Nate's boosted profile, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I could be shooting completely wrong. I don't know. Just There's a feeling that, like, nobody who watched the fights before Nick went away could have been thinking, I'm desperate for this man to come back. There just isn't Knowing... that same draw, was there, like... You know, we got well, I think Bondic was probably draw. the last fun fight, but that was like nearly ten years ago. Knowing uh, the UFC, do you think there's a chance they offer Nick a fight with Conor McGregor? Uh, no, because I think the only Diaz they want to see him against is, is Nate again. I feel like it doesn't really work unless. Connor beats Nate for the third, like in the third fight. I don't know. It feels a bit weird to have one one with the younger brother and then bring the older brother in. I I only thought because I saw Connor tweeting about Nick, and I thought I don't know if they might get ideas here. It was essentially sunning Nate, saying this is this is what Diaz boxing looks like. Your boxing shit in comparison to him. Mm. Yeah, mm. but okay. still. Um, I thought, if you thought that fight was depressing, uh, Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy was a hundred times more depressing than Lawler Diaz. But a woman that we keep claiming to be some kind of phenom because she can just trash these people who who barely deserve to be in the octagon with her. Um, The same things that we criticise Cyborg for, I don't see why she isn't getting the same level of stick. The last time I was interested in Valentina Shevchenko was when she was a bantamweight and she had her loss to Amanda Nunes and she beat Juliana Pena. Since then, yeah. she's just defeating can after can after can. Lauren Murphy is a bum. 
let's not be nice about it. Let's not be nice about it. There's there's people. I was going to say there's people on the street who might put a, who who might beat it. I won't go that far, but she is below a D level fighter. Like she's tough. That's essentially what she is. She she's lost to Roxanne. Always just left. Um, there it is. Sorry, Chubb. Oh, no, no, no. I um, I was closing an app that was running in the background uh, because you just buffered for a second and I accidentally closed Skype. No. I do apologise. Yeah, so then, I mean, she lost to Roxanne, if we're putting this into perspective. Like, she's not very good. Well, I found it amazing that before the fight, Laura Murphy said something along the lines of, um, I don't have to be perfect all of the time. I only have to be perfect for a minute. And I was thinking, you're looking at the yeah. wrong way. You have to be perfect the full time, not just for a minute. Because she was sort of making the mistake that, oh, you know, um, sort of making the assumption that, oh, well, Shashenko will make a mistake and that will be when I'll beat her. Uh, no, no, yeah, you can't bank on that, can you? No. Um, but, you know, it's like her run to the title, she's beaten two or three absolutely horrendous fighters and won two split decisions. And she yeah. lost to, um, well, she should have lost to um, Andrea Lee, um, who, she, who she ended up beating. She beat Roxanne in the rematch, yeah, and yeah. she lost to her previously. I don't even Joanne know what the was called, she beat. The uh, Joanne Calderwood, she, she lost to and was given a win. Oh, it, yeah, it makes no sense to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, what is she, number three, number four in the world? Yeah, that's what I mean. So this is the whole thing. They literally but, created... This this weight class was created essentially in the hope that either Paige Van Zandt would become good or Valentina could become a star. Neither has happened. Mm. I do think you're a bit overly critical of Shashenko, just in that you are right about the division, by the way, and that there is a lack of competition for her or Nunes, which is a problem. But at least with the last two fights with her, we've seen her... The criticism I've had with her before is that she'll carry someone to a decision. At least we've seen her trying to mix it up and get the person out of there rather than, you know, carrying them. We know how good you are. We don't need you carrying her to a decision. So at least there's that. I know, I agree. Four minutes into round four. The other thing is, you were drifting off at this stage. So you were, you had some resentment about the fact that... I did. This is, I this is where mine is, is that I don't need this at 5am. If this is earlier just, in the night... I, I can say I would like to see someone showcase their skills, but probably not at five AM. I legitimately fell asleep in the third round and got woke up when Anik shouted. <laughs> that it, is the it, problem it, to me. It was the timing the hell out of me. But it's it's I I somewhat enjoy it seeing Amanda when she just goes to town. And is I that even enjoy she might end it with one shot. Whereas this is it, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah, exactly. the, she but the fundamental thing with that is the yeah exactly you want it out the way is basically it is the the fun, but the thing you're arguing with Shevchenko is no different with Nunes i.e. this person has no chance with her in both cases it's absolutely true it's just don't, you don't mind putting up with Nunes because she'll clean her out within all of that though like Nunes going against Pena is different to going against Lauren Murphy mm. but that's that's not even debatable Juliana Pena is. Probably Shevchenko's second best win. Yeah, it I mean, is, we could, we could have win. another topic about women's MMA, but I feel like now's maybe not the right time. No, but it's probably... Because, but basically, what where Luke's at is with 
Shevchenko should just knock it on the head because there's there's no, no one that she can compete with. I think. We can run it back with Nunes, but other than that, there is nothing that's else to do. Is it? That, that's but at some points, do you not respect the fact that she is like, if if you put her in a male division, right, you'd be saying, God, she's so well-rounded. She's brilliant in jiu-jitsu. She can wrestle. She can strike. This is it. I do think she's it's reached more a stage... with the opposition than Shevchenko. At this stage. I do think Absolutely. she's reached a stage of excellence where I don't mind watching it because this is kind of incredible to see how, like, as Roy said, so well-rounded someone is. I think the issue is that I was such a big fan and then it's just become painful because there's literally no one too close outside of her and Amanda. Um, mm. She beat Joanna where she was just too big for her. Um, but her other wins when she was at flyweight, Jessica I. Um, that's a, that's a not, not bad win. The ones poor, she was beating Juliana Pena, Holly Holm, like, they're good wins. Liz Carmouche, she lost two once. So no chance they can talk Rose and Shevchenko into doing some form of catchweight. Just as something fun, something different. They train together now. Oh, excellent. I didn't know that. Yeah, they trained together previously. Apparently sparring sessions are something to behold. Um, but, yeah, if she's going out and doing like what she does, Jessica Rye Fair, it, it's, I'm still scarred by the Jennifer Meyer one, and I'm scarred by, uh, one that was rough as well, Liz Carmouche. The Liz Carmouche one was maybe the worst fight I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, 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 back, back the overs, and she's, she's yeah. I just think there's a bit of a hangover from that. I think if you look at these last two performances, I would say those are different. Yeah, the Andrade one was a good watch as well, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, George, um, well, yeah, that 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 was good. For example, so just how it was a display of dominance against someone who was dangerous was was great to watch. So I think we've got a bit of a hangover of her being sort of boring, where some of them aren't as boring as they've probably seen. Has my sound gone really weird? There? Yeah, but, no. yeah, I've done a bit. But yeah. in fairness, um, one that wasn't boring then the main event Christ. was yeah. Volkanovski against Brian Ortega. Um, one thing I would say about this, this I could have sounded like a right doom gloom guy this time, but do you think it was, because ultimately, looking at the scorecards at the end, I thought that was accurate. I thought Volkanovski won every round and there was a 10-8 in there. Bar the two submission attempts, Ortega never looked like he was winning. Ever. At one minute of the fight, he never looked like he was going to beat Volkanovski. So this whole point about it's one of the greatest fights I've ever watched, no, that's, mm. I don't know. What, what's oh, no, that's a stretch. The UFC do that every single card, though. Every time there's the best ever at the weight. Best ever. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, will, oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad that last week. Glad you I, agree. I did say that Ortega was going to win by knockout. Um, I did then rein that back in my bet and go for a Volkanovski decision. Probably so well, I do want to say that um, I did predict it correctly in the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I backed Ortega. I think that's more sentiment than anything else. Um, I honestly thought he had him when he when he locked in the, the guillotine. But at the same time, I, I was so frustrated when he loses it. And instead of posturing up and just starting to like try and hit a few shots, maybe take the back, he ends up on the bottom. He was at, Volk was asked how close it was. And he said and it was, so oh shit, I'm about to lose my title close. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been such an incredible way for it to end. It was Agreed. so quick. 
the way he latched yeah. into it, which was reminiscent of those early fights, Roy, where he'd be losing and then yeah, uh, nothing. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. He would he would snatch it because to get under the neck there, like his chin wasn't badly tucked, Volk there. He has it down for like half a second that he's wrapped it up then just mm. immediately. Yeah, um, it was um, unbelievable. The, the triangle, fairly quickly, you had an idea that there was a bit of space there. But Yeah, I think the only way you were going to get Volkanovski out was by snapping a limb, I think. Yeah, <laughs> on the order, yeah. she put him to sleep, which a little while longer, when he went... Um, it was when he started briefly. kicking his legs. I yeah. thought, God, he's, he's done. Because he, he's past the point of trying to buff or, or move. He's kicking his legs like, like he's drowning. Yeah, that was, wasn't it? Or like Callum Smith's opponent. Um, <laughs> it, it would have cost my bet, but at the same time, I enjoyed the carnage of what we were seeing there briefly. Yeah, And then it was just a show of toughness. Uh, I think we've seen people say before, you're, you're never winning the fight when you're commended on your toughness. Um, you're in a bad state when you're being your chin's being praised or like your heart is being spoken about. That's never a good sign for your position in the fight. And Ortega in two title fights now has probably had a decade taken of his life. <laughs> That's not even like joking like that. That beatings he's taken against Holloway and Volk. Yeah, they were both bad. Both bad, and worryingly, it looks like those two guys are going to be the people that are champ for, for many years to come. So you look at where on earth does Ortega go? Does he just be happy that he's a number two to number five? He's a big guy, um, but going up in weight isn't going to yeah, be Yeah, I thought, I thought this, but, but he is a big guy, but he's not actually massive when you step up a weight. He would be no. one of the smaller guys, which is which is weird. Um you know, he, he's long, but but he's not he's not thick, is he? He's not like a a Volkanovski's like really thick, and the but Ortega's yeah. like well, I suppose yeah, Ortega has to be thin to make the weight, but by the same token, you look like he looks like he would just get pulled about a bit easier if he was to go up a weight. I think there's enough fights in that division that you can keep him making money, being entertained. Yeah. And, like, you can't tell me you wouldn't tune in to see him and Calvin Cater. Like, I know, of course. No, I mean, I suppose the obvious... It's more for uh, his own point of view, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, you know, if you, if you think, I can't get a title, then what yeah. am I doing this for, I guess, from his point of view? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you can sell the Holloway and, and um, Volk fights, you know, for Ortega as being well. He's only lost to them once, and they're both really good fights, if that makes sense. Despite the fact I question that slightly, that... They were more one-sided beatdowns than, than good fights. but I don't yeah. think Holloway will hang around there forever either, so he may be out of the picture at some point. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. But I guess if you, if him and Volk ever fight again, and it looks like he, they probably will if, if he beats Yair. Um, I, I, I still don't think that fight's happening. Well, let's let's assume that it is on the basis that, yeah. that we're being told. If he beats Yair and then loses to Volkanovski, he's never going to get another title fight. No, it's rare, no. it's rare that they give somebody another fight when they're 0-2 in the UFC, let alone 0-3. Uh, yeah, you're right. But all in all, incredibly fun card. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. If you're going to stay up till that time in the morning, this is uh, what you want. Well, this is what you want. 
Yeah, agreed. UFC 267, not quite cutting the mustard in the same way. Although I could get very excited about Piotr Jan against uh, Corey Sandhagen. <laughs> They're going to make that interim title, I assume. Yeah, and uh, TJ's having surgery, so he can't fight there. Um, you've got Leach against uh, Chimaev on there. Friend of the pod, Ricardo Hamos against uh, Tukagov, the guy who punched McGregor from behind. Yeah. Volkov Tabura, um, your guy, Taishu Ivasa on the card. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, RDA is just pulled out against Makachev for the third time. Yeah, that surprised me. And then, really, we've just got to look forward to November 6th, um, UFC 268. I mean, I sent you that they've made Jean Valente against Chris Barnett, um, Rory, which is something yeah. else. When um, you've got hero, isn't he? at the bottom I, of the card. I actually get to, um, I get to Vegas two days after that. Uh, sorry, I get to New York two days after that fight. Oh, um, uh, it's a shame, really, because I could have been uh, Chris yeah. Barnett standing had, uh, <laughs> had I been there. <laughs> when you've got Shane Burgos near the bottom of your card, like you know, you've got a banger. Yeah, yeah. against Billy Q as well. Oli Quinte against Bobby Green. That that could be brilliant. That could be brilliant. Yeah, uh, Frankie Edgar, Marlon Vera, Sean Strickland against Luke Rockhold, Gaethje Chandler, Rhodes against Zhang Weili, Kamaru against Colby. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, mental. Just pray to the MMA gods that this card stays together. Amongst that, you've still got Alex Pereira, the guy. Uh, yeah, that is weird, a... spinny shit. Um, Edmund Shabazi coming back. Ian Gary. Um, oh, Dale's born. Yeah, it's CJ Bagara and uh, Rene Aldana are going to be on there as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be stacked. In contrast, we've got Campbell Hatton on a boxing card. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd Robbing me of 45 quid by uh, um, getting that decision. But anyway, I think that probably does us all today um any fights this week yes Thiago Santos against Johnny Walker this weekend so not quite the glamour but some carnage <laughs> in there still so there we go thank a must you. win for Johnny yeah thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod we'll be back next week 